hang on, hang on tight. So, Derby Day, rules for playing, flat race, as played on shipboard. I'm uh, already confused. <laughs> this, yeah. the, to prepare the game for play, first place the board on a long table. So this board... Well, no shit. ...is one, two, three, four, five, six. It's like nine feet long. It's long. It's long. It's longer than your usual table, I would say. Yeah, that's true. It's nine yes. feet long. It's longer than like a coffin. Some would say <laughs> inconveniently long. Yeah. To prepare the game... So that's pl- design flaw number one. First place the board on a long table or other flat surface. Then kill yourself. Now place all six horses on the first six spaces. Okay. We'll, we'll place two. So... What are the names of the horses? So... We've got six horses to choose from. We've got Prosperity. Mm-hmm. Eddie Cantor. <laughs> that just sounds like that's a guy. A, that is a guy. Funny face. I think I know which one I'm choosing. Tipperary. Not a word. Rumba. Okay. And Hacha. Hacha, where are you? Everybody's eyes are closed. I can't see why I miss you so, so Hacha, where are you? First time Hacha went away, a floating island was his home. Then the phone rang off the hook and Hacha had to... This is... Don't let's start a podcast about They Might Be Giants. My name is Jordan Cooper. I'm Dave Fox. That's Dave Fox, the man with the plan to join me on a podcast. And this is flood part five. Part five. There's almost as many floods as there are uh, Michael Myers (laughs) (laughs) movies. Um, So as many as uh, Snow White's dwarves. Yes. Let's name more things. Almost as many Almost as, as large days of Hanukkah. <laughs> yeah, almost as large a body count as Michael Myers. Sorry almost to our fans out there. Almost as Snow White. Um, yeah. So. I've been watching a lot of Disney Plus. The Go first, ahead. Yeah, the first song that we are talking about is Hacha. And one of the main inspirations for Hacha, according to John Flansburg, the, the, the writer of the song, is the board game Derby Day. From Parker Brothers. So this you is, all know the famous game Derby Day? <laughs> yeah. As popular as Clue. So in the 60s, young Flans would play this with his, with his brother, he said. And, uh, mm. well, so he, there's a kind of a lot to get into with Hacha, but I thought we'd start by just me and Dave. We're going to play it. We're going to play Derby Day, and you're going to listen, and you're going to like it. We're going to play it live. <laughs> and you're going to sit there and <laughs> fucking like it. <laughs> and take it. it. So we're going to yeah. play it as live as we can without yeah. getting too convoluted. So Jordan here is going to read the instructions and I'm going to try to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. So I probably won't. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, if anyone's interested, I bought this on eBay. It's a vintage, it's from the sixties and you can tell because it's falling apart. You can tell cause it's a piece of shit. You can tell cause it's got acid on it, man. How much was it? Tell me, or do you not want to reveal it? I spent like $50. <laughs> Holy shit. So this game is designed for six players, but because me and Dave are, Two lonely souls. <laughs> um, we're going to put two of the horses at the start of the game. I guess as the maestro, you should be Hacha. I'll be funny face. Okay, I'll be Hacha. So what this looks like is a... There's no, it's, it's boxes. It's like a grid. It's numbered one through six, and it's nine feet or ten feet long. This is riveting. It takes up the whole room. 
It looks sort of like a racetrack, I'm guessing. I think it's supposed to be like an abstract. It's almost like a like a when computers were new, everything was so yeah. pixelated. It's like this like abstract version of a racetrack. So I'm I'm gonna put Hacha, my my guy, my yeah. boy, on number one. All right. All right. I'll I'll pick funny face. Can you hear that, people? Hacha. It's facing the wrong way. <laughs> it's facing the wrong way. And Dave is picking Funny Face. That's another Actually, horse. Uh, you know what? I changed my mind. I'm going to do Eddie Cantor. Okay. Dave is going to be Eddie Cantor. One of the horses is named Eddie Cantor. It's red. Hacha is yellow, we should say. Oh, be on, on two. Okay, so it says, place the horses... Hold on to your hats, everybody. Oh, we already messed up. <laughs> I, I assumed as much. Place the horses on the first six spaces of their same color at the right-hand end of the board. All right, I, I have to get up, I guess. So Dave is 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 walking over to the uh, all, all the way to the other side of the room. He's putting Hacha on the yellow number two, and he's putting Eddie Cantor on red number six. I feel like right. we're so I, feel I have like to say first 60s. of all, yeah, points taken away for making me get up. Yeah. I don't like this game. Okay, we're ready to start. The player who has horse number one, I guess that'll be me, is chosen to throw the dice. For all the players, <laughs> but I just want to say I am horrible at board game at directions. <laughs> Whenever there's a new board game and it's like, let's read the directions. I don't I think can't. there are ever new board games anymore. No, there are some. It's like fuzzle and fuzzle. <laughs> wobble <laughs> with an exclamation mark. They get more outrageous as you know time goes on. Um, you know, like porn gets more outrageous <laughs> as, time, as time goes on. It's the same. I, thing. I think that's a perfect uh, analogy. Um, no, I never understand uh, board game instructions, even if it's really simple. I did win Monopoly once, which made a friend of ours very angry. I think about that a lot, um, <laughs> as if I did it Ouch. to spite him or something. Anyway, player with horse number one is chosen. Throw the dice. Okay, I'm going to grab the dice. Throw them bones. These are real dice, people. That's a great sound. Kind of like the percussion in Hacha. Maybe that was the... Oh, shit. You already... God damn it. I dropped the dice while I was trying to play the percussion in Hancha. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Please. Are you one of those people that if you throw a dice, right, you're playing a game and it goes off the board, it doesn't count? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Yeah. Fuck Because, yeah, I think I'd have to walk out of here otherwise. It's the elements. Yeah. It, got, it got mixed up in the elements. Uh, player number one, that'll be me, opens the first play by throwing all three dice. Oh, there's... <laughs> Is it missing stuff already? Well, let's just say all two dice. <laughs> oh, no. I'll, uh, I'll have to get my eBay uh, Do you have another back. dice in the house? Should we... Uh, no, 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 no. All three dice... Maybe you could throw one twice. ...from his hand onto the table. And they're off. Oh. <laughs> That's what it says. Says his, huh? Sexist. <laughs> if you're a dame playing this game, right, hand the dice over to your husband. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm pointing the mic down at the board game, which is 20 feet away because it's so long. All right. Throwing the dice. I've already lost interest. And we've got lucky number eight. All right. Okay. Each player who has the horse of any of the number of spots shown uppermost on the dice. I can't. Can you people understand this stuff? So I'm if anybody has my a brain horse doesn't... five or three, Jordan, you get it? No. Uh, <laughs> each player who has the... I can like talk about They Might Giants for five hours. I can't understand how to throw dice. <laughs> Each player who has the horse of any of the number of spots shown uppermost on the dice yeah. moves his horse one space forward along the track of his color. Oh, example. Okay, I get it. No, if I already a, got it. Don't read the example. If a, one and a, <laughs> if a one and a three and a six are thrown, move blue number one one yeah. space, black number three one space. See how you made an eight with a five and a three? So 
Horse number five and horse number three go forward one space. Now, neither of us have those, so it doesn't matter. This game is awesome. <laughs> okay, now what happens? I'm going to roll it again, then. Well, that's cheating. What happens well, next? What uh, happens if nobody has the number of the horse? Oh, okay. Read the fucking instructions. The dice are thrown again, and the different horses are represented by this thrower moved forward in a like manner and so on throughout the game. Is this the whole game? Because <laughs> that's boring. I think that's the whole game. How's that even? Here, no, let me just try going. it again. Uh, all right. One and five. Yep, that's neither of us. <laughs> How many times do you want to throw it there, Chief? Three. Three. All lucky right. three. Six okay, and one. That's me. Okay, so Dave. So I move. But see, I really lose because I have to get up again and bend down <laughs> to the true. fucking game board. Yeah. Well, this is for little kids. Okay. So Dave Dave is in the lead. Dave is in the lead with uh, Eddie Cantor in the lead. Hotshot trailing one behind. One behind. <laughs> Can I get $3, $4? Sold. Okay. My wife left me. Left me. <laughs> right. So the finish of the race is when one of the horses reaches and rests on the last space at the left-hand end of the board. And I by assume that. And by exact count. For example, the 16th moving space is the finishing post. So if a horse is on the 15th space, one of his own number must be thrown to finish. If his horse is on the 14th space, a doublet of his own number must be thrown to finish. Doublet. Although if one of his own... Number is thrown, he will, of course, advance one space to the 15th space. Of course, if stupid. His horse, <laughs> if his horse is on the, of course, if his horse is on the 13th space and three of his own number are thrown, he would finish. Although if two of his own number are thrown, <laughs> he will, of course, advance to the 15th space. Those are all the instructions. I wish after each time I said, of course, I just said stupid. <laughs> wow. All right. So you want to bail on this yet or what? Let's, let's just, here, you, you roll the dice, Dave. All right. Folks, I'm reaching for the dice. I think it takes three hours to play this game. <laughs> he's, he's Folks, right. I'm shaking the dice in a very lewd way. What are these for? And what are these? All right. I got four and six, which means I move one space. <laughs> Dave's, Dave's moving ahead. We've got Eddie Cantor up ahead of two okay, from... Does it say in the instructions when it gets fun? <laughs> Uh, it says when you uh, sneak out this glass of bourbon. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, there's other, the other thing, the one thing I'm confused about, there's there's other pieces that came with this uh, board, which is there's two long sticks. I think that's to move the horses if you're super lazy. Oh, okay. Wait, so. I you, hope it is. No, I think it is. Because look, so there's these things that go, what the hell is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look. There's one example of the game called Donkey Race, and it says a humorous diversion from the other games. Well, something should be humorous, right? This is, Dave, you're going to love this. So the humorous diversion is play this game according to the rules as applying to any of the other versions. Uh -huh. The only difference being that the last horse to finish wins. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. Is this much fun legal? <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Last, not first. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, let me just get my revolver. This more is too this, much fun. More that everybody gets a trophy mentality. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Parker Brothers. Ruining your life what forever. Are, what are these for? There's, there's, so there's, I think you're supposed to shove them up your ass and do something else. <laughs> there's these long sticks with uh, these things that you put in them. They kind of look like they kind of look like little birdhouses, honestly. Mm. Um, you poke the stick through the hole, and now I have this thing on a stick. Is it maybe it is to push the horse? Well, you could read more instructions and not guess. <laughs> the sticks are there just simply to confound the player. It doesn't mention it. You have to write for additional instructions. P.O. box. 
So that, I want to say there are other versions of the rules. So that we did the first one, but then there's American method, English method, Communist method, myopia steeplechase method. Wow. Okay. So me and Dave played uh, Derby Day, <laughs> and that's the Hotcha discussion. So the next song. <laughs> all right. Let, let me let me um, I, let me get those instructions yeah, for a sure. second. Because there's got to be more of this game than this. Nope. There isn't. <laughs> You really just, you roll a dice and slowly move to the end of the board. Yeah. How is that a game? Why do we even need to buy anything for that? I guess, well, the horses, I will say, I, I like the aesthetic. The horses are cool looking. I mean, I, I'm probably going to end up putting the horses like on my wall or something. I see what the problem is. It, this was the English method. Oh, okay. Why don't we read the American method? Okay. <laughs> Grab a cheeseburger. All right. This game is played in the same manner as the English method <laughs> just described, but with the following exceptions okay. to the use of doublets and three of a kind. <laughs> All right, I don't want to read this. Okay. Well, that was a waste of time. <laughs> I have been waiting to do this for like <laughs> five months. I bought this off eBay like last year. I was like so excited. Well, like most things in life, it's a huge letdown. Well, what we're trying to do here is is tap into the mind of young John Flansburg. Uh, what kid would think trying, that's fun? We're kind of trying to like you know connect connect with him. I really hope he doesn't doesn't listen to this show. Yeah. <laughs> this would be so disturbing to him. Well, I think we played it wrong. I want to read the directions uh, more carefully. Yeah. Next time. So th this this song is a weird uh, thing for this podcast because I I kind of have this goal in mind for the show to not like delve into their personal lives unwanted. Yeah, sure. And so I, I haven't really known what to do. <laughs> Clearly, I haven't known what to do yeah. for this song. The idea that fans have is that the song is about. Uh, Flansburg's brother. Sure. Um, Flansburg has denied this live on stage. So in my mind, this is like a public discussion, <laughs> sort of. As is his right yeah. to deny it. This song is not about my brother. He goes, this song is not about my brother. <laughs> For those interested, like, I don't want to get into the details of it because it's honestly, it's like his personal business. And I know some people might be like, well, he put it in a song or whatever, but like a song is an abstract, poetic uh, way of dealing with a personal thing. Well, that, we can preface this by saying, you know, with all due respect, we will present just the facts. Yeah, so exactly. Um, so we think Flansburg murdered a man. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually don't think it's about his brother, by the way. So... You yeah, might yeah, after I tell you some of this. All yeah. right. Okay. <laughs> it is. Who do you think it's about? Should Jesus. I wait? Jesus? Okay. I mean, obviously. I think it's a triple bluff. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But go ahead. The second half of Flood really reminds me of their first album. Hmm. And some of that is because some of these songs they had around their first album, mm -hmm. like Hacha. Hacha is one of their older songs, actually. And this is kind of interesting, some history on it. I have, you know, I have these old, they might be Giants flyers from like 1985 around. And on one of them, they say, here's the, and I mentioned this on the, uh, when we talked about Weep Day, mm -hmm. but they say, um, they say like, here's the lyrics to our oft requested songs. And again, this is a flyer from like 85 and they have the lyrics to Hacha and they're mm -hmm. a little different. And the only way that they're different is that they, uh, instead of Hacha, where are you? Uh, the lyrics to the old version, apparently, it's, it says, Hacha, where you be, everybody's eyes is closed. So, like, mm. weird grammar. It almost seems like they're doing, like, a scat kind of, like... Sure. 
like jazzy scat thing, like yeah. where you be. <laughs> is that offensive? <laughs> Probably. Um, but like it, it is interesting that the original lyrics were "Hacha, where you be," and it was I think more of a stylistic, like a character that Flansburg was doing, which definitely fits the way they did their songs back in the day. Like even Weep Day, right next to it on that sheet, like Linnell's doing a weird yeah. voice for it that's like sort of like an accent. Flansburg's brother, I don't even want to use names because it's it's like weird mm-hmm. again, but Flansburg's brother does have a blog and you can see this. It's linked on the Wikipedia, the TMBW page that we uh, mentioned so many times. He has a blog where he, he goes at, into detail about why he considers mm-hmm. the song to be about him. He's pretty, he's like 99% positive, I think. Yeah. One of the things he said, and Flansburg has said, they've both said this, is that mm-hmm. they used to play Derby Day together when they were little. And according to the brother, the brother liked to choose the hacha horse. So if not you, funny face, no. So if you see the hacha horse is like mm-hmm. this kind of childhood symbol of you know if the character in the song who go who goes away, <laughs> yeah. is called hacha. Like basically, it's you know you can put two and two together is all I'm saying. Um, there's other references in the lyrics that are very uh, specific that you can read about in his blog. I mean, look, it could just be a starting point for it all too. I mean, if we take Flans at his word, which we probably should, you know, it, it could be that's what started the song and then it became a fable uh, from that point forward. So well, I'll say well, this is this is Flansburg's um, explanation for Hacha, where in my opinion, he kind of circles around the real truth of it. So in, in an interview, he said, there's an old Parker Brothers racehorse game called Derby Day. It's like oh, he forgot to say a hilariously <laughs> thrilling game. It's like the people that made Monopoly sort of failed in an attempt <laughs> at doing a race game with dice. Boy, did they. And there's six horses, and one of them is actually named Hacha. And I don't think as a kid I even knew what Hacha was. It's basically just a jazz expression. Mm-hmm. This is a game we actually had at my grandparents' house. So the song has sort of got a prodigal son thing about it, just thinking about families. And so it was just part of my deep childhood background, and that was just the basis of it. On the surface, it doesn't seem to make any sense, but it really is about sort of a character named Hacha, and that image comes directly from my own family. So then the interviewer asks him, so is Hacha based on somebody in your family? And Flansburg mm-hmm. says, I think it's about wandering kids in general. I mean, it really is a character song, but the detail was drawn from my own family. I mean, I think it's sort of a mystery song. Nobody in my family is that big of a mystery. See, that's kind of what I said, though, right? Starting point. Yeah. In my opinion, it's just 100% about this right. th- this thing. And he says nobody is in my family is that big of a mystery. But if you guys do the research yourself, Flansburg's brother is an interesting character. <laughs> yeah. And um, we'll we'll come back to this because we think a few other uh, Flansburg songs are touch on this mm. this person. Yeah. Um, but again, I don't want to like be too um, dig dig into dig through his garbage or anything. Sure, sure. But uh, it is. Well, it, we like the band. And we like the people in the band. Yeah, I even like and the people. And we wish the best for them. Exactly. But so Flansburg does say the details drawn from his own family and it's about wandering kids. And, you know, Flansburg's brother claims that, you know, he did leave <laughs> when yeah. he was like young and and apparently he, you know, Floating Island was his home. Mm-hmm. He says that refers to the time he lived on a sailboat for a while. Yeah, that sounds terrifying, but <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. But it is interesting. It's like, okay, that's pretty specific reference. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, but let's go through the song. Well, I mean, look, there's also very specific references to the Bible too. It doesn't mean he knew. Yeah, really. Jesus. Um, I mean, nobody knows him. I mean, I do. It's funny you mentioned Hacha is sort of a jazzy yeah. kind of expression. That's what the music is very reminiscent of too. It has a swing to it. 
Well, right? if you want to hear something interesting, there's a nineteen no. There's a nineteen sixty five song called Hacha. Is there by Junior Walker and the All Stars? And let's listen to that. I, I I don't know if it would be a reference, but I think it is interesting that there was another song called Hacha. Now, what's interesting to me, don't you think the intro to both songs are weirdly similar? There's a little drum fill. So Hacha begins like this. And Hacha 1965 begins like this. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Is that crazy? It might be a reference. I think everything we've done so far is a little off. It's a little, we're, we're a little crazy, it's guys. A little we, off. we tend to see things a little askew here yeah. on the show. I hope you guys don't mind. Turn your brains on. Yeah, I think there's definitely a, look, if we want to stay away from anything that gets too deep, this song, I think it's safe to say general, has some kind of swinging, jazzy kind of jumping on point, mm-hmm. jumping off point. <laughs> it's jumping on. Well, I think you jump I, on. I'm going to jump on this song. And then when the song ends, you jump off. Yes. <laughs> um, like taking the bus. The jazz bus. <laughs> this Friday on Keep Jazz going. TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Soul Train. Jazz <laughs> it's TV. the jazz bus. Would you rather be on a Soul Train or a jazz bus? Oh, Soul Train. Mm. Of course. I, it's a little too much. It's a little too crazy for me. More more girls on the Soul Train. You know what I'm saying? The jazz bus feels more relaxing, though. A nice, nice ride. <laughs> Well, there is a nice ride on the ride, the ride symbol. Well, what were you saying? <laughs> oh, I was asking you just like what you think about the song, just like as it as it comes up on the album, you know, like you're just hanging out, listening. You're. I think for this one, the lyrics are really interesting to pick apart. I mean, it's a very complex song, especially with the percussion and everything. It kind of reminds me of Hope That I Get Old Before I Die, like the, yeah. per- the arrangement. These like, like these dr- weird drums, percussion, interrupting things at like startling time signatures and stuff like right, that. Which could be why it's reminding you of something from their first album. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess in that time period, they were really trying to kind of experiment, throw everything to the wall and just see what comes out. Well, it's funny because if you listen to the, an 80s version of Hacha, like you can kind of get a sense of what it was like. It's funny because I have an 80s live recording, but it's not the one with those weird other lyrics. I have it post when they change the lyrics. Actually, I'll play it for you, Dave. So I think this kind of gives an idea. This is from 89, so it's kind of close to Flood. It's really different, right? Sounds totally different. Oh, it sounds a lot more sinister. Yeah, that accordion part is, it's funny because I always think about that with arranging songs when there's like the thing that seems to be the whole point of the song and then you'd like take it out on the album. Yeah. (laughs) So like if I was to have been a fan of theirs in the 80s, I would have been like, oh, Hotch is going to be on their new album. Awesome. And then be like, wait, where's that part? That like it's not even in the song. It became much more about the percussion and the structure 
Yeah, yeah. Actually, Flansburg has talked about the percussion. Um, he did say... What a good segue. Well, the, <laughs> he said, we weren't really trying to make a traditional jazzy song by any means. While the feel of the song is pretty swinging, it's also a bit damaged sounding, in yeah. part due to the stiff programming and amplified by the herky-jerky nature of the homemade... Man, Flansburg should just do this podcast. He's describing it so much better. Yeah. Um, herky-jerky nature. I like saying that herky-jerky nature of the homemade samples being triggered. This song contains the actual sounds of mallets and drumsticks on my kitchen sink, mm. the base plate of my refrigerator, oven and door buzzer. Mm -hmm. The horn samples are recorded through a guitar fuzz box and all the drums are programmed. That is an interesting production. I know he said the same thing about Istanbul, that it had like his refrigerator <laughs> in it or something. Yeah, you got to use what's around you. Also, his yeah. not that he's using a voice exactly on it, but he is very deep in tone in this one, deeper than the other songs. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of that? <laughs> I mean... Why do you think he made that choice? I think, like we said, I think this song is very personal to him. Yeah. I mean, I think most of Flansburg's songs, both of them, I think all their songs are personal in a way. Um, some more than others, though. Do you think the voice is to put a little bit of a wall? Yeah, I, I think there's a wall. I mean, the, the wall, you know, I actually, like, I saw a, a tweet recently... It was about, it was... Uh, so did I. <laughs> yeah, what, was your, what was yours? It was uh, negative. Okay. Uh, well, this one was actually interesting. And it was a, a quote from Daniel Klaus, who is a, a cartoonist, comic he book sure artist is. that me and Dave really like uh, or love. And Sexually. He talked about what he thinks style is. Hmm. And he said, style is that space between the thing you see in your head and what happens when you try to draw it. Hmm. <laughs> and, hmm. and he's like that not quite working is what your style is. Interesting. And so that's I, almost your flaws is your style. Yeah. So for me, your it's shortcomings. like, you know, John and John's wall up, um, which I think is, is one could call it like a, uh, I guess one could see it as a character flaw. I mean, I don't, but self-preservation, it, it does make, they might be giants lyrics and music more strange and like kind of, I mean, it's almost like they're, pushing you away with one hand and pulling yeah. you in with another because it's so intriguing. So they're pulling you in, but they're pushing away like, well, we're not going to let you tap into what sure. we're doing. Well, if they said everything well. plainly, it wouldn't be as interesting in their case. Yeah, which I think we have evidence of that for some songs that they've done <laughs> like later yeah. on where I'm like, oh, I wish the lyrics were just like a little more... A little more weird. I mean, weird is a short, is like kind of a lazy term for what I mean. You know what I mean? Enigmatic or like, you know, ambiguous, dreamy, surreal, Davy. Mm. <laughs> I'm just, I'm really thinking about that, what you were just talking about, your your flaws being your style. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but there's, there's a beauty in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like what you're worst at is what you're best at. You know, it's like using using your flaws to your advantage, which is, it seems like, an incredible feat to master, but I feel like if you can do that, you can fucking do anything. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think of like, I mean, it kind of makes me think of my own singing voice on my mm -hmm. stuff and also like Violent Femmes. You know, just lean into how annoying just, it is. Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of my favorite performance live shows like we've done when we had a band is when I really was just like emphasized the bratty nasal quality mm. and just kind of went nuts on the microphone rather than tried to sound nice. So I think the low voice that mm -hmm. you're talking about, it's it's doubled. He's doing an octave yeah, yeah. under his normal singing voice, which I actually have a note about that. I, I think that's like a, uh, like a, it always sounds like very pleasing to me to do that. It's like a nice technique to do in a song. I love the arrangement. There's like the saxophone in like one mm -hmm. ear going like, uh, uh. <laughs> it's like really, 
and then the bass gets normal. So like that's kind of the low notes for the verses or the chorus, whatever the chorus. Or the verse. Yeah. I, there's a lot of songs on the second half of Flood where I don't know what the choruses or the verses are. This is one long running thing. Yeah. But it's funny about the voice. The voice really does kind of emphasize the ambivalence to this person. Did he love him ambivalently? Right, yeah. <laughs> More on that another time, another episode. But um it's just like there he goes. Yeah. Oh yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Uh, I love that little, I don't know if it's a vibraphone or a synth or what. Yeah, that I, keyboard. That's a great little melody. Xylophone kind of sound. It's, it's like... It's like that could almost be like a song, like you could almost base a song around that cool riff, but it's kind of like I didn't notice it for a while. It's a pretty intricate uh, production. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's, yeah. And I think this is, you know. It's deceptively. No, it's not deceptively it's, simple. It's not deceptively simple. <laughs> it's not it's complicated. deceptively complicated. Yeah, we talked about like they had these other producers who did Birdhouse and Racist Friend, I think, and Istanbul. Mm. And then the rest of the album was like, oh, let's just do the rest of the songs really fast and like not spend as much time on them. But this song to me sounds as like fussy as as anything else. Mm. It sounds kind of like racist friend in a way with all the different elements bumping into each racist. Yeah, all the different elements bumping into each other. Yeah, I mean, I think the line, I can't see why I miss you so. Yeah. I mean, so it is a pun because he's saying everyone's eyes are closed, which then leads to you not being able to see. But it's almost like he's hiding like a kind of a hostile sentiment <laughs> yeah. by doing that because saying I don't miss you. Well, some people when they leave, they should. Or not. He's yeah. Or he's not saying I. He's saying I do miss you, but I don't get why I miss you, which yeah. is like almost more uh, sad that and cruel. Sad. Yeah, family's a tough thing, man. And by the way, I'm just assume I'm not talking about like his real life. I'm talking about the song now. I'm yeah. talking about like the characters in the song. Yeah. Um, Legally, we have to say that. <laughs> yeah. um, we should also mention this episode is brought to you by Parker, Parker Brothers. <laughs> that was a joke I meant to do before, but I didn't do it because we were so, having so much fun playing yeah. the game. You think they made like an app version of this game? <laughs> they really should. By the way, I just want to say just for the for the record, I spent weeks trying to find an old commercial for this game to put as a clip. And I think you're lying. There is nothing out there. I looked, I was like, should I go to like a museum and like look through their like archives? I think that would be unnecessary. I know. I kind of wanted to, but you yeah. You don't have to do that much. <laughs> yeah, I, just I think we've given enough to the people. That's true. Um, well, I have. I don't know about you, Dave. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean. So yeah, we talked about the first time Hacha went away a first time. So this guy goes away a lot. Um, Twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two times. Um, you know who else went away twice? Jesus. Jesus. A floating island was his home. So we have a theory for that, obviously, but you can look into that yourself. Then the phone rang off the hook and Hacha had to come back home. So I think the implication is he's Hacha's parents were worried about him. parents or Hacha's <laughs> calling being like, I need, you know, I need help. I mean, this comes in later in the last verse. Mm -hmm. Where are you? Second time he went away, left the bathtub running over, stereo on and cooking bacon, never came back to tell us why. 
So then Dave, as you said, the second time he goes away, left the bathtub running over. Rude. Yeah, this kind of reminds me, I mean, I know there, there's a lot of childhood stuff in this, but it also reminds me, like, Flansburg has a lot of lyrics about, like, bad roommates and, like, <laughs> living in an apartment. And this whole song, you hear his apartment, apparently. I just it, noticed the very, buzzer yeah. in the beginning. It's a very apartment-based song. Yeah, I love that. Because I live in an apartment, so I like seeing things that I know. Jordan, this may shock you, but I live in an apartment as well. Dave lives in a nice apartment. Yeah. I, I do too. Dave, But Dave's keeps his cleaner and more organized. than. You know why it's a nice apartment? Because of the people that live there. It's not about the space. It's about... Someone else lives there? <laughs> I always thought this lyric was evocative. Stereo on and cooking bacon... Never came back to tell Makes me hungry every time. Well, I got to say, like, my favorite thing about... Me and Dave have talked about this uh, with lyrics before. Like, I think lyrics should always evoke the five senses. Touch. That's what. That's, that's a number. Sense. What Dave? What's your favorite of the five senses? Um, the penis. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm partial to seeing sights. Good sense. You know. I always think about like if you could lose one of your. Oh God! I think about it all the time. Yeah. Sophie's choice. I think I could do without smell. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, you got to admit, you there's think more that would bad drive than you, good. It would like drive you crazy after. The a only while. reason it would is because they say your sense of smell is linked to your sense of taste. Oh, okay. Assuming you could taste things exactly the same without sense of smell, who gives a fuck? Which one would you lose? Sight, right? <laughs> Probably smell also. Yeah, who, who the fuck cares? <laughs> oh no, I can't smell New York anymore. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Extra crispy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so my point is I love lyrics that make you think of things to, to smell, taste, touch, see, and hear. Sometimes I don't care if I could talk or not. And stereo on and cooking bacon is a, a good example of, of that. And, and you know, They Might Be Giants have those kinds of things in their lyrics a lot. I'd almost say Flansburg maybe more than Linnell does that kind of thing in his lyrics a lot. So stereo on is sound. <laughs> yes. Cooking bacon is smell. Smell and taste, I'd and say. And taste. So yeah, this guy left, <laughs> he left the bathtub running over, stereo on, and cooking bacon. Uh, so then we get to uh, one of the things I love in the song, which is the piano solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's just take a listen to that. I've never heard that before. Okay, Dave. Totally, yeah. So. <laughs> well, dude, I, I was going to say, yeah. I never heard the cough thing until like maybe last year. Yeah, I didn't hear the crazy. cough for way long into this album, yeah, yeah. like for years of listening to this album. And I just now I heard something else. What? What did you hear? Is there a scream or was that coming from outside? <laughs> I don't know. There is, there is an intersection near me that people are always getting into fights at. Play it again. Okay. It's in the left ear. There is. Oh my god, guys. We're going to we're going to play put another clip. There's like a really subtle scream. Did you ever hear that? Before? No, I never heard it before. Holy shit. It's kind of right at that uh EQ or it's all like tinnitus. Yeah. <laughs> <where> it's like <laughs> right in the sweet spot yeah. to affect your hearing for the rest Man, of your life. Yeah, that's pretty that's crazy. So there's coughing and screaming. Two things you can do with your mouth that's that are sense. not fun. <laughs> that's I'm blown away by my own ability to hear. So the scream is representative of the bacon. <laughs> I also never heard that weird uh, keyboard going back in for a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I it's love... louder than the coffin. 
yeah, scream. I love that part. That the part is always kind like the wrong notes almost. Yeah. Well, the whole <laughs> thing, the whole thing, honestly, it kind of sa- sounds to me like one of the House of Mayors songs. Mm-hmm. Do you do you know which one I'm talking about? I don't know if you know those that well. It's like slightly out of tune. So this is definitely the, slightly out of tune. The Hacha solo kind of reminds me of David Dinkins, which is, uh, <laughs> I guess he was slightly out of tune. <laughs> track nine on, uh, the house of mayor's EP. So, uh, let's talk about the last verse. If that honey would come back, we would throw such a party, drink and cook the prodigal son, fondue folks for everybody. Hacha, where are you? Everybody's eyes are closed. Dave, I, I think you you have something to say about this verse. If that honey would come back, we would throw such a party, drink and cook the prodigal son, mm. fondue forks for everybody. Song has a lot of uh, tasty food in it. I mean, look, I don't know if the Jesus reference are like intentionally to throw you off. Like I said, a double bluff. But uh, is Jesus the prodigal son? The prodigal son is returned. So the the reference to the prodigal son. So now you know I am. Me and Dave are, were not raised uh, in this religion, <laughs> so I had I actually had to look a lot of stuff up whenever there's these kinds of references. So the prodigal son is basically it's a story that uh, this this son leaves, and he's uh, the the prodigal means wasteful and extravagant. <laughs> hmm. I so, never realized it was used as a kind of an insult, like uh, it's very bad. Oh, the prodigal son returns. Like so, I, what I, that means <laughs> is so this this son he squanders his fortune and becomes destitute, and he basically comes crawling back. So when and he begs his father to accept him back. So when someone says the prodigal son returns, it basically means, oh, like look who comes crawling back. That's funny. So it's sarcastic. Yes. <laughs> well, I it's, didn't realize it's that. like literal. It's like oh, that he's returning, but people use it in a wise ass way. I guess I was confused and got it wrapped up with Jesus himself returning one day from, you know, as the Messiah. I used to think Jesus was the prodigal son also, but that would be a big insult apparently to Jesus. Yeah. Jesus was like the opposite of wasteful and extravagant. Sure. He was I like, guess I never gave it much thought, to be honest. Another important point about the prodigal son, which I think further hints at the, what the song's really about. Yeah. One is that the the, the parable is about two brothers. Uh, so like yeah. the, the song, like Hacha doesn't say the word brother in it, but mm-hmm. by referencing prodigal son, you've like got that right there. And then apparently the idea is that even though this prodigal son is a fuck up who wastes a lot of money and goes away, like the other brother who's better behaved uh, is jealous because the parents love the fuck up son and keep Mm -hmm. welcoming him back. Which he's the bad boy of the family. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone loves a bad boy. You know, the other one's a nerd. And so I think that, again, it's very telling what this song could be about. If you want to think about the actual story behind the song, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty intense. It's pretty harsh. It's pretty funny. It's pretty, it's pretty true to life. And, you know, I also think you could, uh, you could write a song that's kind of a mean song about someone, but mm. also kind of love them. And, you know, like I, I've done that with. I've written songs about people I know, mm-hmm. relationships I've had that are kind of mean. Jordan just looked around him to make sure those people I, weren't <laughs> listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've, I've written weird. songs about people that are kind of mean, yeah. but I'm like, well, I still love those people. 
I don't write any mean songs about anybody. Who am I to judge? Yeah, all of Dave's all of Dave's punk songs are just like well, you're okay in my book. <laughs> but in terms of the song, like calling this uh, person yeah, yeah. <laughs> the pro- the prodigal son is quite an insult. Sure. And and it is you know it, it's it's an insult and it's pretty harsh and it's it's funny too. What trips me up in that line is this, it says drink and cook the prodigal son, yeah, which I'm so. pretty sure is a direct reference to eat of. Uh, Whatever, drink of my blood, eat of my uh, body. And Jesus wants you to which do is, that, right? Yeah, which is, you know, what they do in church every Sunday. or Sunday. really? <laughs> Sunday. Sunday? <even. laughs> Sunday, Monday. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the wine is his blood and the cracker. But not really, right? Um, or do some people think it really? I'm sure some people do. I mean, I'd, I'd have to look it up. I don't know offhand. I think it's I'd not, rather drink blood than wine. I think wine tastes so bad. I'm not a fan. I yeah. think it's very disgusting. Me too. You're, Dave's the only one I've ever met who can't stand the taste of wine. I don't understand the it's fucking appeal. revolting. <laughs> and it's like to be paired with all these fine meals, you know? Yeah, and It's yeah. like, yeah, uh, drink this piss. Along yeah, I'll with have your... this delicious chocolate cake and then I'll drink well, this I horrible... <laughs> I don't think you drink it with cake, but... <laughs> really? Wine and cake? At dessert at a fancy restaurant? I think it's more oh, with Oh, like, you have like an espresso? Yes. Coffee and cake now. Now that's something. So it's... Yeah. I mean, I guess hence my little bit of confusion and uh, verbal acrobatics where I... <laughs> Well, do you think he's blend? Well, like to your point, do you think you think he's blending the prodigal son with the imagery from Jesus or these symbolic stuff from Jesus, creating you know one of those like clever or mishmashes of stuff that we is in a lot of these songs? Actually, the fact that there's someone coming back twice, so second coming. Mm. The fact there's drink and cook, which is like just sort of a play on drink and eat. Yeah, it's a way of saying yeah, Um, almost more cannibalistic, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah, that is, I always wondered that too. It, it, it makes the song kind of even more like a surrealist nightmare at the end. <laughs> and I mean, look, this was another thing. Maybe it's a stretch and it just came into my head last night. But um, the reference of honey makes me think of the land of milk and honey, which I did what? look up. Because look, you could you could say it's a term of affection if that honey would come back. But you don't really use that in this context, right? That would be more for like a girlfriend or it's, it's a, a sweetheart. It's a jazzy, weird way to, to use that word. <laughs> uh, maybe you'd say like if that, if that cat would come back, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe he should have because that was a pretty great rhyme. But mm-hmm. honey, again. If that kitty would come back. Right. Look, again, not My saying My dog's it's, getting excited because we're talking <laughs> about cats. <laughs> not saying it might not be a stretch, but yeah. land of milk and honey is another reference to the Bible. Is it? What, what is that? I don't it know means that. a land of Israel. It's like a land of plenty. I should go to Israel. I love milk and honey. Yeah. It's good stuff. Um, um, <laughs> um, so in the, in this set of lyrics anyway, there's lots of stuff that are very Bible-y. Lots of stuff. And I actually, I wrote down all the stuff. Stuff that, is way. Oh, really? <laughs> at least half the songs in Dave, this Dave, I hope you never end up be, like murdering someone because they're going to find that and be like, it's the <laughs> Bible killer. That's the only reason I hope you never end up murdering someone because you'll be slightly misunderstood. All the other reasons are great. Yeah. About half the songs in this, I mean, I said this before. But yeah. Keep saying some, it. Some kind of Bible-ish reference, mm-hmm. be it very specific or a huge stretch. I'll, I'll only say about the fondue forks is that, again, Flansburg's brother. Also from the Bible. <laughs> Flansburg's brother claims that they both really yeah. liked fondue when they were younger. Well, Jesus did too. <laughs> I've never had fondue. Have you had fondue? I've had fondue. 
I think it's about time I get my, I've, fa- I've fond- my fondue. <laughs> We're both trying to make stu- bad yeah. fondue jokes at the let's same time. On. Okay, let's move on to the next song. I, I'll just say I fuck. I love Hacha. I, I didn't. <laughs> I know. I, I didn't really give my opinion. Like I, I love Hacha. It's like a favorite song of mine. I remember playing it in. I had an art class. I played it for a bunch. Well, I played Flood for everyone, but I remember being like, everyone listen to this because I just couldn't, I, you know, my brain, especially when I was like a 15, 16, like, I, like how, what do you make of this song? Like now we, we know more about it and we're trying to figure it out. But back then there were certain They Might Be Giant songs that were just so overwhelmingly confusing mm. <laughs> and weird that I was just like, loved it. I loved it, loved it. Um, so now we're going to move on. I like it too. Two. The next track on Flood, Women and Men. When the ship runs out of ocean and the vessel runs aground, lands where we know the boat is found. Now there's nothing unexpected but the water giving out. Land's not a word we have to shout, but there's something beside the shoreline. Moving across the beachhead, coming up from the shipwreck, making as if to say, Women and What a pleasant song. <laughs> yeah, well it's funny you say that actually because it is funny. I've always I've always thought this was one of their most like Beatles-esque fun melodic pleasant songs and I, I you know really um concentrating on the production it, it, you know I think it is. But I do have a very vivid memory of having flood on during it was work or it was someone play someone was in the room who had not ever heard they might be giants and the the frequency and volume at which Linnell sings the yeah. chorus, it really dawned on me like, oh God, I think this song's annoying. Hmm. <laughs> and I don't think it's annoying when I listen to it privately, but if you ever play it in a room, it really, it, it takes on that weird quality of like, ah, is this is this not good? I don't know. Yeah, you could say that about a lot of popular music. Yeah. as well I, yeah I, I, I just on the radio that repeats and is annoying I mean no I know I just have a very vivid memory of of this and I I think I think one of the interesting things about it is like so there's no harmony when he's doing that mm-hmm. it's like women and men I feel like a a more just belting it out like maybe, Streisand maybe a more like generic production would like do harmonies under that but then I thought because the bridge has all those harmonies it it makes it you know it's like a contrast uh, right. That's kind of jumping ahead, but I, I thought that was part of it. But, if everything's exciting, then nothing's exciting. See, I disagree. I think if everything's exciting, everything's exciting. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Dave, what, what do you think about women and men, the song, not the people? Oh, yeah, that's good that <laughs> you clarified because women and men stink. <laughs> yeah. The well, song, however, yeah, it's another funny, uh, you know, Linnell looking at people as an alien race <laughs> song. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, and it's funny to have such pleasing music. And melodies with this sort of underlying current of like, what are these things that keep reproducing? And it's sort of like nanobots where it's just like, what is yeah. this uncontrollable phenomenon? Almost like a disease or a <laughs> outbreak of just people just keep fucking and making more of themselves. Yeah. Um, it's what we do. This is one of those songs where the music really is important to the <laughs> message of the song. I, I see the music as kind of like, sounds like a pirate chant- shanty. Yes. Shanty? Chanty. Shanty is a shack. Chant. Chant. Chanty? <laughs> well, you it got, is, no, it is shanty. Shanty, a pirate. Let's what's, Google what's it. What's a shack? <laughs> a shack is a shanty also. Oh. It's, it's not a pirate shanty. That pirate doesn't sound right. Pirate shack. 
Because that sounds like chant. Shanty is a, sh- a crudely built shack. <laughs> that's what I want to live in. Well, that's what a shanty town is. Pirate, yeah. pirate shanty. A sea shanty. Oh, a sea shanty. Chanty or chanty. Yeah, but the CH of- could be pronounced shanty also. Yeah, so it's called shanty. Okay, so let's move on. <laughs> no, no, no. I have a, way more to say about this. So this song always, to me, sounded like being so sung a on a pirate ship. shitty house? <laughs> that's what that means? Yeah. Um, oh, am I bothering you? I'm sorry. Go ahead. So <laughs> the production of the song, let's talk about that. I think it's very, very wonderful. It's very, it's kind of reminds me of Letterboxd. A lot of, there's acoustic guitar. There is the accordion is really up front. I mean, these letterbox and this almost sound like they're from like the same session, weirdly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, you better agree. <laughs> A lot of people do talk about the time signature in the song is interesting because it's like, I think they say it's six and then seven and then six and whatever, but mm-hmm. it's like, you know, when the ship runs out of ocean and the vessel runs aground, <gasps> lands, or like there's mm-hmm. a there's a beat there or a lack of a beat there. It's kind of like interrupts itself, which I think is, you know, it, it makes the song really interesting. Favorite things in this song, Dave, I really love in the chorus that like organ that plays, you know, the riff, you know, sure, sure. It's very pretty, Good it's organ. very nice. Nice organ. There's another Bible reference. It, what's the Bible reference? Two by two. That's how Noah brought his animals on the ark. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. And you know what happened with the ark? There was a flood. There was a flood. And the name of the album so, is Flood. You're welcome. America. That really is interesting. But it's funny because he extends it to three by three and four by four. Yeah, imagine having like four giraffes <laughs> by four giraffes on the. Yeah, that's a big. That's a big boat. I always wondered when I was little, how does it fit all that Listen, on the boat? I'll tell you how. It didn't happen. <laughs> Sorry. It's a lovely story, though. <laughs> Everybody dying in a, in a flood. It's great when all this stuff connects so well. Look, it could be a parable too. It could be metaphorical. Mm-hmm. You mean the song or the Noah the Bible. story? Yeah. <laughs> the important thing is to get the message out of it, which is if you fuck something up, just kill everybody and start over. <laughs> Good, bad, sort of bad, doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, the ocean levels are rising up yep. to celebrate the new album. And it's also, it's like kind of this similar thing. It's like, this is a good thing. <laughs> and, and only animals are good, I guess. Even the ones that kill each other. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I don't. That's that's the thing. I, it, that's a big philosophical question. You ever see monkeys? They're brutal. They are. I saw. I did. Did you see the new David Lynch Netflix <laughs> I short? Didn't, I did not. Happy birthday, David Lynch! It's his birthday today, as we're recording, and he released a new Netflix short that I. I really think they might be Giants fans would enjoy it. Uh, monkeys rape frogs. It's well, well, it's called "What Did Jack Do?" and it's all about a monkey, <laughs> and it's pretty great. So let, let's just quote John Linnell himself. Uh, he hasn't said much about this song over the years, over the freaking decades. But um, here's what he did say in the Rolling Stone interview that where they went track by track with Flood. Man, it'd be nice if they did that with all their albums. Uh, he said, the words have a very blank, disengaged view of human reproduction. The lyrics neither celebrate nor condemn the expanding population, but the music is cheerful. <laughs> so that's, you know, I read that quote and I'm just like, yeah, he thinks the same thing about his own song that, that I've always thought about the song. Yeah, I which think is, it's successful in that sense. Yeah, it's not judging. It's not It's not celebrating. It's, it's just like, this is what's happening. And I think so. In my in my opinion, there there is an implication that it's bad or <laughs> that it's a nightmare scenario. Yeah. What's your evidence of that? I, I always thought the I, I was rereading the lyrics more closely this week, 
And I always thought the first verse was weird because it almost seems redundant. Mm -hmm. Like there's no reason. He's just saying the ship runs out of ocean and we found land. Yeah, yeah. And we don't need to yell out land because it's obvious that we found land. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's a weird sentiment. That's like, why start your song that way? You're a weird band. (laughs) Yeah. Like, why start your song that way? Like, maybe pointing out how futile everything is <laughs> yeah it, it does seem there is this sense in in these lyrics like it's not his normal kinds of lyrics weirdly like there's a there's a kind of like falling in falling into the gap there's almost like there's almost like a pointless quality to the lyrics like a yeah like futile like he said um there's something beside the shoreline moving across the beachhead coming up from the shipwreck it's a monster <laughs> yeah so it's like there it's like the women and the men are they seeing this or are they it? And I guess that's kind of the whole point of the song, which is that it's both, right? Bro. <laughs> bros and this sh- song. Bros and hoes. Hoes and bros. Remix. Yeah. That's like when there, there was like a talking, old talking head song that became a hip hop song like 10 years ago, Sugar on My Tongue. I was like, I was flipping channels and I passed it on MTV and MTV2 or whatever. I was like, what the fuck? They're all going to become songs on rap songs yeah i mean i guess saying there's nothing unexpected about the water giving out land's not where we have to shout there's like this inevitable feel to it it's like we knew we were going to hit land so we don't have to be even excited about it you know it's like straight it's a strange idea the song has a weird structure which is that the bridge is kind of in the middle of the song between verse one and verse two kind of like there's only two verses really I love this bridge. Let's talk about this bridge, Dave. Is the bridge bringing with them messages yes. of love? Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, just so you know. Bringing with them messages of love and everywhere they will, love will grow. Women and men. When you see the faces of the women and the men, you too will know. So my theory on the bridge is that Linnell is the woman and Flansburg is the men because <laughs> he's doing this deep voice, right. this kind of cartoonish deep voice. And Linnell's kind of doing this pleasant, you know, like a more like sweet voice in the background. Um, I also, this, this brings up another thing that comes up a lot. I, that's, that might be, I don't know why this might be my favorite vocal quality that Flansburg does mm-hmm. when he does, he does it in spiraling shape also. It's the same guy going like, everyone wants to see that. A little bit of an announcery kind of voice. Yeah, yeah and yeah. It's, it's always I dig. It's always doubled or tripled yeah. or, or there's a delay or some something uh, making it thicker. Almost when he says, like so many things I can't understand. Yeah. A little bit, like the <laughs> yeah. more reined in. Yeah, well, and there's like a deep quality. So the, I, for some reason, it's like instantly pleasing to me. And when they do that- it's confident, so, that's why. Yeah, when they do that, I always get the classic TMBG feel like, so they do that in Three Might Be Duende. Flansburg does that voice. Yeah. And wh- that's one of my, spoiler alert, and that's another song on the album. That's one of my favorite songs on that album because of it has this classic feel to me. Like it, it's just, it has that vo- vocal tonality. I like the song Spoiler Alert. I wish it wasn't called Spoiler Alert. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we, I, we have a lot to, I have a lot to say about that song. Yeah. But um so here's what I love about the bridge besides that it's just great. Um besides that it's that it's awesome. Um it shreds. That harmony, Dave, do you want to try to do this? <laughs> Come on. The harmony is t- is it's, I might not be able to do that one. It's hard to wrap your brain around. Yeah. Well, maybe you do the Flansburg. 
So so Linnell goes, <laughs> here, yeah. I'm gonna do this. So it's like Linnell goes, women and men. <laughs> you, you do the plans. I'm lost. I'll I'll point to you when you do it. Oh okay okay. Women and men bringing with the messages of love and everywhere love they go. Will love grow. will grow. Women and men. When you <laughs> come on, you, we almost got it. Uh, women and men. When you see. The faces of the women and the you men you will, will know. I love that's like a great arrangement. That's like incredible. Uh, and I'm talking about us. <laughs> I feel like I lost vital information in my brain from trying to do that. Like I'm not going to remember my address now. I'm going to pan those both side to side so yeah. for that one part so that yeah. people know what happens. And, uh, you know, edit out the fuck up. I think we got it perfect. So, I, but let's talk about the, the lyrics in the verse. Um, no, let's sing more. <laughs> we can sing it. I think this song is about people. Oh, boy. That's smart. <laughs> Bringing with them messages of love. This, this, this bridge is hilarious. I mean, I see Linnell writing the song and kind of like, you know, smiling to himself about how, <laughs> how like strangely it is like very disengaged. Um bringing with them messages of love and everywhere they go, love will grow. It's almost like a threat when you see the faces <laughs> of the women and the men you too will know. It's like, you can't escape. Like we're all part of this. Like he's kind of implicating everyone in it. There's no one outside of the women and the men. You're only, you're only seeing the women and the men or you're part of the women and the men. Very uh, invasion of the body snatchers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, exactly. I have another loose theory for this song, at least for what could be an inspiration so around this time, like they were getting more popular and they're playing shows with more and more people. Here's where I'm going with this. XTC uh, quit touring, you know, yeah. I'm just going to, this will this all make sense in a second. <laughs> oh um, boy. They quit touring and part of the reason is because they just hated how stressful it was and how many people there were. And you, you know, got panic attacks playing, right? So, so Andy Partridge, the songwriter got panic attacks, um, uh, but that had also to do with the medication he was taking. Ah, it's a long, I see. it's a complicated story. But the other thing is Colin Molding, the bass player and other songwriter for mm -hmm. XTC, um, he also hated touring. And it, what's funny about this is on their second album, which is called Go To, every single Colin Molding song is about hating crowds of people and touring. Uh -huh. So one of the songs is called Crowded Room. <laughs> it's about people, uh, you know, He's talking about like escaping on the fire escape <laughs> during the show. Another song is called I Am the Audience. How horrible so many people want to see you. Uh, and it's about being scared of the audience. It's um, always better when there's less, right? Another song is called The Rhythm, and it's just about like the live show and just how everyone's pushing over each other. I mean, so to me, this song, Women and Men, could possibly have come from a similar instinct where they're yeah. kind of not to like especially Linnell I mean Flansburg we know is like an outgoing person but Linnell's like a very you know he's like a private quieter person at least compared to Flansburg or you know I'd, I'd say Linnell's like normal he's like a normal <laughs> like kind of person who doesn't seek fame or large crowds of people like any they might be Giants fan who has waited for them after shows knows that like several times what will happen is like Linnell will kind of run off and Flansburg will stick around and sign mm -hmm. autographs and talk to people you know he, that's like his element he seems to have fun doing that 
but Linnell's kind of, it's very rare if Linnell does that. And by the way, I've had some cool interactions with Linnell. He's like, he can be really, really cool to fans, I think, when the mood strikes him. I've never spoken to either. Yeah, Dave, well, I, I told them all about you. So yeah. I have a friend named Dave. Is that why they don't talk to me? Maybe that's like an inspiration for the song. And what? why, like, why would Linnell be thinking about masses of people hmm. that all form into this blob? Like, he've, they've talked about when, like, you know, Linnell normally wears glasses, but he doesn't on stage. And I think he said that like he doesn't see people exactly yeah, yeah. so you know maybe that's why this song happened is from those observations you know here we go so, hey you know it's kind of crushed up here front if everybody could just kind of shimmy back a couple of spaces so the people up front don't look so quite so so smushed i know it's a lot to ask it's kind of like being on the sixth train at rush hour but if everybody can just move back just a little bit because I mean, they had a pretty large following from the very early days. Maybe you think you just taxed on him after a while? Well, there's large and then there's like, like when they're writing Flood, I think it was getting pretty crazy. It's definitely a next level, sure. But you know, it is better to have more people at a show than less. It is better so to have loved, take the good, loved, take the bad. Lots than le- it is better to have lots than less, yes. <laughs> is the phrase, right? Women and men across the ocean, they now begin to pour out from the boat and up the shore. Two by two, they enter the jungle, and soon they number more. Three by three, as well as four by four. Soon the stream of people gets wider, then it becomes a river. River becomes an ocean, carrying ships that bear women and men. So in terms of the last verse, we actually kind of already talked mostly about it, but I the the idea that the imagery of the the people becoming so many people that they become the river that the next group yeah, of people yeah. ride on is like that's horrific there's <laughs> there's so much there to like unpack about i don't know different generations and the, the blah 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 but wh- we're not here to do that what are we are they might be giants podcast <laughs> well it also brings you back to the first verse just exactly. Like, uh, it's letterbox a, it's did. exactly. Yeah. Thank you. It's like it's like a cyclical. I also think Hacha kind of has the idea that he's always this guy's always leaving and coming back and self being yeah. celebrated and blah blah blah. Yeah. With with women and men, like it. Yeah. It's definitely a cycle that you know. I don't know. It, overpopulation. There was a period. I actually read a book that mentioned that talked a lot about this. There was whoa, whoa, this. Stop the presses. There was this overpopulation scare for a few decades, especially like in the eighties. I remember now. No, it's actually apparently it's going down now because less people are having kids because of it's the, too expensive. the economy and stuff. But that's actually going to have consequences, which might not be good, which is weird. Because those kids won't be able to grow up and work in the economy. Then there's going to be another boom. Yeah, I've, I've read different um, opposing things about it's good, it's bad, it's good, you know. But uh, this song, like we said, it's not saying it's good or bad. It's just saying, oh, it's not good or bad if a bunch of people become a river and a... <laughs> I think it's bad. I yeah, think humanity has had its time. I think I think we get the point, you know? So, from women and men to uh, <laughs> sapphire bullets of pure love. Hey, it's, that's as good a transition as any. Shots. Pistol shots. 
you think the John is? I have a whole big theory about who the John is. Though it's not my theory. I wish it was. I think it's John Totoro. <laughs> yeah, it's about Miller's Crossing. Yep. I'll say for me, this is one of my favorite songs. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> um, it's hypnotic. There's Yeah, there's just something about it. So last episode when we were talking about like, what are your favorite songs on yeah. Blood? For me, I, I'd say like Letterbox and Sapphire Bullets are somewhere in the top top five, <laughs> top, yeah, top nineteen. Yeah, there's something about it. It doesn't sound like anything else they've ever done. There's, it's very haunting. That's yeah, for sure. exactly. No one can deny that, right? Right? <laughs> We're gonna get emails. Stop denying things that I say. So, what is the deal with this song? Uh, let's go into the, some of the origins, please. So, this song after is, you. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dave, you go first. Well, this dates back to... Go ahead. So Sapphire Bullets of Pure Love is is not an original title. That I knew. I feel like we should have a little story for each song, but... This one is... Um, this song it's, was written it, by Ray Davies. Well, this, this song is actually the name of a song on a, on a Mahavishnu Orchestra album that doesn't sound anything like this song. I think they're all wondering if we're in a cult now. Yes. Open your hearts to the freak show. Join us in our tent. Anyway, this, there's a song called Sapphire Bullets of Pure Love on this, on this record. It's a different song, but I found out that you can't copyright song titles, and that was really the... It was like a cheap, easy way to come up with new songs. You know? John Linnell apparently took this title from a song, sort of, <laughs> by the Mahavishnu Orchestra, which I've been totally uh, checking out the past few mm -hmm. days. Backstory a little bit. Mahavishnu Orchestra is sort of the brainchild of John McLaughlin, who uh -oh. I think might, the John might be a reverence to, and I wish that I thought of that, but I did see someone on a website say, I think the John is John McLaughlin. So thank you, person. So John McLaughlin is like this crazy dexterous guitarist. He can do mm -hmm. any genre. He's kind of insane <laughs> in, you know, in a good way. And he just created this band. He played with all these jazz legends, Miles Davis, I all this I think they're stuff. called jazz cats. Yeah. There's a, so there's even a song on this album called Miles Beyond in parentheses Miles Davis because he like loves Miles yeah, Davis I, I get and it. collaborate <laughs> with him. Uh, Mahovishnu Orchestra is like really crazy weird music. And mm -hmm. here is Sapphire Bullets of Pure Love from 1973. I'll play it for Dave, too. It's like the sound at the end of Pac-Man when you die. That's the whole thing. What? It's 20 <laughs> seconds long. Oh. Well, it's not really a song. A few, yeah. So a few <laughs> things about this. One, I, I feel like they're kind of musically referencing it. It has a kind of that trickling, electronic noise mm -hmm. quality that I, I feel like the sound of the TMBG version is not too dissimilar from the original version. Do they have like real songs too? The original Sapphire Bullets of Pure Love uh, is apparently might be the. I think I, I read that it might be the first ever computer noises used in hmm. music like ever in music. 
uh, which is crazy because yeah. it's 73. Peter weighed 5,000 pounds. <laughs> yeah, they had to put that in the studio. Yeah. But so that, that's kind of a weird representation of Mahavishnu Orchestra's music. But so I'll just play a, a clip of uh, a song that's right also on that album. This song is called Celest- Celestial. <laughs> this is annoying. Celestial Terrestrial Commuters. Celestial Terrestrial Commuters. Celestial. Celestial Terrestrial (laughs) Commuters, folks. You can hear how crazy the musicians in this band are. Blow me away. So yeah, the re- crazy time signature is yeah. there. <laughs> so is that like prog rock? I, it's like jet. Well, Before so prog rock? John McLaughlin, the guy, the, the guy who started the band, he's kind of credited with like being one of the first people to do fusion, which is mixed okay. different. It's like jazz and rock and yeah. all these things together. So he's like a really legendary guy. I actually watched a lot of interviews with him, hoping he would mention Sapphire Bullets, which he did not. So what'd you say? It was wasted time. <laughs> No, I, he's an interesting person. I watch them on uh, Fast Forward. <laughs> so Linnell's clearly a fan. I also think it's interesting that this implies Linnell wrote the song when Flansburg sings lead on it, and mm. Linnell does kind of the harmony that's kind of a little more distant in the background. Yeah. Um, the whole song is harmony, which I love. I love when they do that. What do you think of the idea that the, the song has this really long fade-in? <laughs> which, again, like this song doesn't sound like anything else they've ever done, and that's one way. I think it just kind of goes with that hypnotic nature of the... Uh I don't know what what instrument that is. A uh, xylophone. I don't either. Keyboard, guitar, whatever it is. It seems to be like a synth with an echo on mm-hmm. it, doing like a a riff that might be a simple riff, but with the echo, it sounds like there's like a lot of notes being played at the same time. Well, it just seems like, as evidence, you know, of the fade, and they're trying to really put you in more of a. They're trying to put you in a more hypnotic state in this song yeah. than in the rest of the album. I also think it evokes the idea of like bullets coming after you. It's mm. like they're coming from really far away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's giving you space to really let the song sink in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not assaulting you. It's like slowly creeping yeah. in. Yeah, and there's a good contrast there with like the slap bass. Yeah. Because there's like, it's really like, like if, I don't know, kind of ethereal and hypnotic, but it's like boom, 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 yeah. you know, which I think totally works in the song, like completely. So Flansburg did say that they used to do the song as a duo, like back in the 80s, and that that version had a nice simplicity to it. The earliest recording I have of them doing the song is from February 24th, 1989. And to me, it sounds pretty damn close to the Flood one. So I wonder if when they say the the duo version had a simplicity, if the, if there was a version earlier than that, because to me that just sounds like the flood version. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I remember. I don't know if I, I assume we were together for this. We saw them when they did a flood show, and uh, Flansburg said he was he got hypnotized by the riff that uh, yeah Dan Miller was playing. Do you want me to? I can play I'm sure that. We clip. have a clip of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, that's one of my favorite moments because so basically Dan He's reproducing Miller, that sound with you know guitar effects. He pedals. had this weird delay on his guitar and yeah. and like. 
Flansburg just after it was just like, whoa. <laughs> whoa <laughs> but man. yeah, I'll play that clip because why not? Frankly, I became hypnotized in the middle of that last song. There was some crazy thing you're doing with that guitar that was just. Oh, it worked. I thought it worked great. I couldn't. I stopped singing in the middle of the song. Kind of goes back to those, you know, mind control discussions we had last episode. Yeah. Like making you susceptible to different thoughts. Well, so I have a weird. I have a connection to another song with this. So remember when I said letterbox is like, <laughs> could be about shooting someone mm -hmm. like shooting the president, uh, which I, it probably is not true by the way. But so letterbox shooting the president and then around a few years earlier in 86 blue velvet came out mm -hmm. and now there's, I'm going to just stick with Dave, just nodded his head, shook his head violently. Dave is creating <laughs> violence right now. In Blue Velvet, just check this out. I didn't say anything. Go you, ahead. You've seen Blue Velvet. Yes, I have. I think once was enough for me. Whew. Oh, it just gets better and better, baby. I don't, I don't need to feel that bad all the Wild time. Wild ride. It's good. It's a feel-good movie. Yeah. In, in Blue Velvet, there's a part when Frank, played by Dennis Hopper, is, is uh, scaring <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin's oh, character. Oh, you don't say. He's being a scary guy. And he says, and I'll play the clip, but he says... Don't be a good neighbor to her. Hussin, your love letter. Straight from my heart, fucker! Do you know what a love letter is? It's a bullet from a fucking gun, fucker! You receive a love letter from me, you're fucked forever! You understand, fuck? It's a bullet from a fucking gun. Mm -hmm. So... Bullets from a gun, sapphire bullets of love. Yeah. Letterbox is about like having this love letter to someone. It feels like there's this weird synergy happening, but I can't quite pla place my finger on it. Do you think it's possibly a blue velvet <laughs> reference? I don't. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Bullets. He says bullets from a gun. He says fucking gun, but they're not going to say that. I mean, do we have any evidence that they're huge David Lynch fans? Is this something that you're seeing only? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's interesting to think of. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. It, it might. It just reminds me because if you're saying like the love letter is a bullet from a yeah. gun, and then yeah, I don't know. It's I weird. mean, is that a reference of something? I, that's that what, would be a good That's question. what I was trying to find out, but I don't know. Were you the one telling me there was something about JFK in this song? 
I was not telling you that. I think a lot of people think because of the name. So the the bridge of the song, I guess it is the yeah, bridge. John, I've been bad. Again, these are weird um, songs structurally. None of these songs yeah. have standard choruses or, or, well, I guess Women and Men is the chorus, but you know, that song. But like this song, I don't know what the verse is and what the chorus is, but I guess you'd call this the bridge. Mm-hmm. John, I've been bad and they're coming after me, done someone wrong and I fear that it was me. So because there's a lot of like, a lot of- uh, That's a scary verse. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that actually when I said it, it's a cursed verse. I'm freaked out. Well, their names are John and John, which is perfect because they're both singing the song. So I always right. thought that was intentional or at least like sure. they were aware of that. <laughs> that well, one of the meanings it could be, the one of you know many meanings of, a lot of people named John, so. <laughs> no, it's a common name. Well, that's been, don't let's start. But so, well, so there's John F. Kennedy is yeah. like the most famous Guy person killed by a gun. Yeah. So you can't not think of that. There's John Lennon, you know. Yeah, sure. And then there's That's themselves. Sad. And then there's John McLaughlin, the yeah. Mahavishnu Orchestra guy. Then there's John Lovitz. <laughs> I think it's, well, so the spelling of John might be a hint because it's in, I'm looking at the lyric sheets mm-hmm. now. You hear that? Ah, God. Why are those lyrics so loud? So they spell it J-O-H-N in the lyrics. I think John Lovitz is J-O-N, Dave. Not to shit on your theory, (laughs) but you didn't like my blue velvet theory. Well, I'm glad we're getting close to the truth, though. Now we just have to look up all the Johns in the world and who spells it J-O-N. Why would, if it's about, um, what's the guy's name that had the band? John McLaughlin. If it's about John McLaughlin, why would they be saying that they're bad? To him, like, do you think they're bad because they're like referencing his music? I think too they're. Much, I or? think they might be bad because they're they took his title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is, I see. That's I wasn't even going to mention that idea, but yeah. you kind of you kind of said it, so it's on you. Yeah. It's a weird. It's a weird idea, but I don't know. It's like, oh, do they feel guilty for taking the title from his I album? I mean, I wonder what else is under these lyrics in terms of guilt. Yeah. Hmm. And then sapphire bullets of pure love. I mean, you know, obviously they didn't think of that phrase, but. They're, they are repurposing it. And I, I, I do think this like song, you know, when the 80s, when they would do it live, like to me, this is like a great live song because it's there's so few lyrics you can really, being in the audience, you get, can very quickly assess all the lyrics because it's just like pistol mm-hmm. shots, gunshots. <laughs> so it's kind of like a, I don't know, to me, this like kind of flies in the face. Like, oh, they're such a funny band. It's like, there's nothing funny at all in no. this song. Though there is something darkly funny about someone in front of you singing about bullets coming at you. Uh, this song makes me feel unsafe, especially the organ for that part. It's like a funeral yeah. organ. I also love the accordion. I really love musically how the accordion comes in for the last, I guess it's the chorus because it says the title. But for the last part of the song, when they say Sapphire Bullets, you hear like the accordion kind of droning on. Also like an egg shaker or something in there too. Yeah, there's a shaker. Yeah, so it's it's a short song, not a lot of lyrics, but I I it's one of my favorites. And I also think the musical, the you know, the way the music fits the lyrics, because when you're talking about like a bunch of bullets coming at mm-hmm. you and the music has all these little, they're kind of sharp little 
percussiony things and the the like we said the synth sound is all that echo on it so you're you're hearing if you did a song about like rain there'd be like a kind of synthy like rainy noise i hear that in a lot of like ambient kind of bands mm-hmm. or whatever and this is a similar idea but it's subtle it's not like hitting you over the head with it I also think it's interesting how they both sing extra stuff at the end of the song in live yeah, situations. Yeah, I wonder why it's not on the album. I, they seem to have done it at every single time mm-hmm. doing the song, so it seems like it's like concretely part of the song. Mm. But yeah, they say, here come... That's suspicious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here come the bullets. They're coming to get you. From scary to hairy, we are going into a track. Jesus Christ, there's so many tracks on their albums. Well, here is their their namesake. That's right. In we case are, you didn't know. We are, yeah, I wondered why that title seemed familiar. We are up to They Might Be Giants. Hang on, hang on tight. They might be giants. You you love the band now, love the song. Yeah, this is this is a crazy song. This is like even for them, it's pretty crazy. I'd You'd say. say this is like a mission statement. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, feel like if there were to be one song that is the mission statement, it would be this. But Dave, what is the statement? I'll leave that to you. That's a good question. Uh, that's just a crazy song. You know, they're a crazy band. They got crazy songs. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to them. Well, we can go into some some of the details, and maybe we'll figure out along the way that sample in the beginning. Hang on. Yeah. yeah. Did you find that? Well, so I someone on the wiki found who the guy is, uh, but not that actual sample. And you better believe your butt that I tried really mm-hmm. hard to find it for a really long time. That is David Brees. He's a TV televangelist uh, Christian preacher guy oh. and the second you hear his voice in my opinion the second you hear his voice it's like holy shit so, more bible stuff huh yeah that's right what the bible says about heaven I'm glad I'm going there are you going there are you a Christian do you know that you have a home in heaven's glory you can you know Jesus said he that believes on him is not condemned God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Would you like to believe in him today? That's some great advice. <laughs> so, right? It's it's the guy though, right? Yeah, yeah. Like indisputably, like it's not a fact, but this seems like this is the guy. Flansburg said that that uh, sample was from a kind of fake budget version of a self-improvement program that was on a cassette we bought for probably 10 cents in some junk store. So I couldn't, you know, I tried to find David Brees, self-improvement, mm-hmm. motivational. All I could find was religious stuff. Well, there seems to be conflicting reports then. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm sure he probably dipped his toe into the motivational thing. Hey, why not? I'm thinking about doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I think you'd be really good at it. Yeah, I think I'm very inspiring. People don't want to give up all hope after talking to me or anything. 
what they've said about this song and the existence of this song, it's it's kind of a strange track to to come to come on to all of a sudden when you're listening to this album for the first time. Like, oh, there's a song that's sort of about the band. Well, it'd be pretentious to put on the first album, yeah. though it makes the most sense. That's true. Well, so yeah, they've had the song for a really long time. They, there, we, we have access to the, there these early demos of the song, which we'll get into at another episode. But Flansburg says we thought about doing it for the second album. Basically, we didn't want to put it on the first album because it seemed too weird. <laughs> Pause for a moment. Too weird for the first album. <laughs> Maybe too self-serving. I mean, that first album, as we went over, is pretty weird. What do you think of bands? Chess piece face. True. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of bands making a song out of their band name in general because not you know you don't have to do it not all bands do it is it weird is it pretentious are you you thinking of doing it no no i'm not although my first band did which i objected to there was two people in it i don't know i just think you need to kind of like be around for a while to earn it maybe i guess there's that but then there's also like your and by the way then there's a window for it too like you know 40 years later well i was gonna say i don't think they might be giants run into this problem but one problem you can run into is that to have a song about your band name kind of spoils the ambiguity of what the band name is um, now, that doesn't happen in this song because it's so weird. Bad Religion has three versions of a song called oh, Bad, Bad Religion. See, that's bad. I mean, they're not my favorite songs, but... What do the songs say? It. Like <laughs> They're pretty self-explanatory. People think religion's good. <laughs> but it's not. But guess what? We got another idea. <laughs> it's um, bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, they're they're yeah. more intricate than that, but still perhaps unnecessary. Yeah, I was well now I'm thinking about my own because um, my band is called Troubles Afoot. And I guess the thing is why people do that is that a lot of band names you work so hard to find a good band name, mm-hmm. at least we did. <laughs> um, and then it's like, oh, I've got this great phrase. So like a good phrase could make a good song. So, you know, the name of my band is Troubles Afoot. If you're interested, it's online, Bandcamp, all that stuff, Spotify, iTunes. Um, Troubles Afoot, I could see being a fun song, like, but I'd also feel pressure, like, oh my God, am I supposed to sum up what, like, my entire output of music is about in this song? So, They Might Be Giants seem to be leaning into that, but in, in, I think, in the most, like, unpredictable, exciting, weird way possible. Well, they don't mention the movie in this one. No, they don't mention the movie. So what Flansburg says in this quote is basically how complicated this song is and how they spent such a long time piecing it together. Um, there, he says there's tons of vocals on it, two guitars, two trumpets. Well, two guitars isn't that many. No, <laughs> That's not that no. complicated. Most bands have at least two guitars on songs. But I think what I, what I do hear is that in this song, there's the electric guitar riffing going on, mm-hmm. which I kind of, in my notes here, <laughs> it kind of sounds to me like... Uh, like Green Acres theme or something. Right, right. It's like There's a lot of stuff like fading in and out too, and yeah. different cues for different things. And but so there's the there's the electric guitar, but then on the other ear there's the acoustic guitar mm-hmm. noodling, which is the like which is like weird because it doesn't even it doesn't read as an acoustic guitar. It's mm-hmm. like reads as like a strange like just a strange noise. They should have called this song "Strange Noise." I'd say there's more than two guitars because there's acoustic guitar strumming mm-hmm. sort of towards the left ear. And then there's the noodling, which I think I could be wrong. That might not be acoustic guitar, but it, I thought it was uh, <laughs> like weird noodling out of tune sort of acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. And then there's the electric like countryish kind of guitar, which which, by the way, like I didn't notice was there for a really long time. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of blended into the mix in a way. It's not like up front. It's more clear in like live versions. They might be giants. Boy. They might be giants. They might be rain, they might be washed, they might be down to just box back up. Hey. 
that everyone needs to hang on tighter just to keep from being thrown to the wolves. What do you think that guy was trying to say in that motivational... Hang on... T- yeah, it's an interesting... It's a perfect sample <laughs> for in terms of like weird, ambiguous, scary, ominous phrases just to keep from being thrown to the wolves. Is that motivational? <laughs> what wolves are near a merry-go-round? <laughs> That's the question. I mean, is that typical? So Flansburg in the Rolling Stone interview... Uh, which we're almost done (laughs) referencing. In the Rolling Stone article, Flansburg, he references, hey, hey, we're the monkeys, like as if this is sort of their own version of, hey, hey, we're the monkeys, which I think is interesting. Uh, Well, first, let's let's, let's listen to, hey, hey, we're the monkeys. (laughs) Here we come, walking down the street. We get the funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. People say we monkey around But we're too busy singing To put anybody down We go wherever we want to Do what we like to do The other thing that's interesting is They Might Be Giants played Hey Hey We're the Monkeys live and they did a kind of fake out. Well, we got, we got, we got another song. It's, we think of it sort of as our theme song. Um, we feel that it was written about us. Here we come Walking down the street Get the funniest looks from Everyone we meet Hey, hey, with the monkey People say the monkey around We're too busy singing To put anybody down Go wherever we want so yeah, this, huh. this song is trying to capture that kind of spirit. Also, I mean, we'll come to this too, but the Mesopotamians is also kind of riffing on right. riffing on the monkeys theme, especially with the, the intro. Sure. We'll save that for later. It'll be in 2030. You know, in the, in the Slansworth quote where he mentions that, he also says, I think including it on Flood is a way to telegraph to all who might care. <laughs> self That's me. That we were very much going to carry on as we had started, which is to say complicated and impossible to pigeonhole. There you go. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, because by the time you get a third album, it's like, all right, we mean business, you know? We're yeah, gonna I keep agree. doing this thing. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of reinforces that idea and cements it. Like, not only are we still doing this thing, this is our biggest album yet. Yeah. We're on Electra. This yeah. is our goddamn theme song. Get out of the way. People. Yeah, I also do tie this to them being on elect. It's kind of like the theme from Flood. Like the yeah. having theme from Flood and this on an album is a very meta, <laughs> like yeah. statement. You know, and like makes, we're, we're us, <laughs> and, and here it makes we are. Sense because there's all this like doubt about the critics and stuff in the lyrics. So, well, let's talk about that then, because I I'm these lyrics really puzzle me. Um, there's a few references. Really, I have them totally figured out. Okay. You're in good hands. They might be rain. They might be heat. I don't know about that one. They, might be, <laughs> they might be frying up a stalk of wheat. It's weird that there's a stalk of wheat. Uh, thing. Do you think we're just looking through all their old lyrics like song titles, song yeah, titles? It's funny because XTC does that. The name of each, starting at a certain point in their career, the name of every XTC album is a lyric from the previous album. Weird. Uh, right. So frying up a stalk of wheat, I guess... Is that even a thing at all? I don't. Or is that just a surreal so. idea? Like, why would anyone? Is that something people do for any reason? I don't. I've never thought about this so. before this moment. I'm pretty sure they're not doing that. <laughs> the people. Then they might be giants. They might be brain. Which, I guess, that is grammatically 
Well, it connects to they might be washed. I think they're just breaking up. Oh in a funny my! Way. Holy shit! Jordan, you know what's happening, right? You just abstracted things too much. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh my god! I never connected. I never knew that was brainwashed. That was like a pun or whatever wordplay. Holy shit! I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> I know. I someone should, else should take over this show. No, but still. Please, someone else take over the show. It is a funny. <laughs> it is a funny way to break it up, though, because I've never realized this. When you break it up that way, it's like they might be smart, they might be clean, <laughs> clean smart. But then it's just you know they might be also. Oh, I see. They might. Yeah. Wow. They might be brain. They might be washed. How did I not? I've been a fan of this band since '95, '96. Well, you know. Holy shit! That's what I bring to the table. Reading comprehension. I'm just like, I'm like blown away right now. They might be- Take a minute. We could take a break. Dave is feeling really good about himself right now. And that's pretty rare. So, okay. Well, they might be brainwashed as like a crazy, uh, well, it is interesting the way they break it up because it makes it like nonsense speak, which I just thought was nonsense speak. (laughs) I didn't think there was like the two words connected. Well, I I mean, you know, in your defense, I think they're doing it purposefully to to have both. This song throws so much at you on every level, musically, lyrically. I mean, it's it's fucking crazy. I don't even understand how you make a song like this. Has all these weird, like the song keeps like dying and then coming back. It's like really strange. I had to talk about this line. They might be Dr. Spock's backup band. Yeah, that is a weird reference. Okay, so Dr. Spock, we'll talk about that. Uh, Dr. Benjamin Spock, he was a, he wrote a, a very, very famous book about raising children, yeah. raising a baby. I think my parents had it. I think most parents had it. Yeah. This man's book uh, is only outsold in the history of books by one other. The top selling book in the world is the Bible. The second best seller belongs to Dr. Spock. What about the toys the children are playing with today? What do you feel about them? Some of them are marvelous, and uh, a lot of them are rather murderous, I think. Yeah. I don't think you can change a good child to a, to a scoundrel by letting him uh, play with pistols. One of the people who changed my mind was a, a uh, nursery school teacher that I respect very much, and she said that after the Three Stooges program became popular, that nursery school children began bopping each other quite spontaneously. <laughs> uh, and I, my own feeling is that with the world in the precarious state it is in, Uh, with nuclear destruction uh, just around the corner. My own feeling is now children shouldn't watch brutality or even pseudo-brutality, especially when they're at the preschool age. But things like Batman. That's different. Is that different? That's (laughs) fun. By the way, this is just a weird small thing, but backup band, when he says it, again, one of those misheard lyrics. It sounded like pack of bears to me. Because <laughs> he says it's so yeah. kind of quick and like all in one might word. Might be so Dr. I, Spock's pack of bears. I thought it was something like might be attacked by a pack of bears. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you didn't hear it, the it Dr. Was, Spock part. That line always kind of got mushed together for me. But I thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> might be eaten by a pack of bears. They might be gents. You can have that one. Yeah. So Dr. Spock's, Benjamin Spock's famous book is Baby and Child Care and and... I guess so. Good what, title. One of the ideas is like saying you're you might be Doctor Spock's bat if you want to try to interpret it. It's like saying brainwashed. They might be brainwashed, and then like they might be Doctor Spock's backup band is like 
listen to us to tell you how to raise the new generation mm. or something kind of like, cause the monkeys theme song says we're the young generation and right. we have something to say, which I always thought was funny, like unintentionally funny. It's kind of like, it's yeah. very like hippy dippy sixties <laughs> thing. But, um, but so saying that's almost the same sentiment, like saying your Dr. Spock's backup band is saying like, we're the experts or like we're behind the expert on how to like raise children. It's yeah. a weird idea. Some kind of authority figure, at least. I had to mention this, which is that my dad arrested Dr. Spock. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> I asked him about I this. I think you buried the lead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I actually was thinking of recording him talking about it, but it didn't really work. So I, I'll just say, I'll just recount what he said. Basically, my dad used to be a police officer in New York City. For you heard it here first, for a, folks. For a short time, and then he worked in like parole division. So, but for a short time, he was a police officer in the '60s, and wow. there was an anti-Vietnam protest. And um, as there tends to be, and my, my parents were probably at it. Yeah, and my dad arrested. <laughs> Doctor Spock was there as part of. He was. Wow. That was a huge part of his career is protesting Vietnam and the draft. But what I don't believe in is the United States being the aggressor as it is in Southeast Asia and then trying to pretend that we're doing that to protect that part of the world against communism. That is paranoia. And individual <coughs> individuals who become paranoid and groups that become paranoid and nations that become paranoid, they not only are a menace to others, but sooner or later they destroy themselves. So he was arrested, I think, a few times for doing that. And wow. especially because he was discouraging the draft th through different means, which is like illegal. So he was arrested for that. Now, why should that be illegal? It makes you sense. You don't have to answer that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it makes sense why it is, but it's just, it's still, it also makes sense why you'd be Doesn't like, Doesn't that go against free this. speech though? Isn't that in the constitution? Yeah, I, I don't really get it. It's um, confusing. Well, I have, there's, so there's clips of him talking about his arrest and free speech, which is like, is this the, the arrest of my dad? Like, it's weird. That is weird. I don't say I, I broke the law. I said I admitted to uh, signing the statement and uh, saying that the war was illegal. Our uh, attorneys uh, think that the issue of uh, free speech under the First Amendment uh, will be one of the most important issues that we will be uh, arguing here, and perhaps it's the strongest. I'm sure I'm not uh, guilty, and I'm willing to have that tested in the courts. Does your dad remember anything about... All he said was that it was 4 a.m. on a cold wow. night. <laughs> he said it was a cold morning at 4 a.m. and that he arrested him. It was 1968. Uh, so my dad was, I guess, the man. <laughs> was, he's like the fascist <laughs> bad guy who's, who's can't... I don't know. I think he said they got like rowdy and it was getting dangerous. Uh, I guess there's two sides to every story, but... Uh, your dad's so laid back. I can't imagine... My dad's him, very nice. Like and, arresting someone... Like I've never heard him like be well, aggressive. Maybe, maybe ever. that's why he stopped. He was only like he was only yeah. that type of cop for a short time, and then he worked like like a more of a. He still did it. He just did it very pleasantly. He's like, <laughs> "Yep, you're going to jail." Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I had to mention that because it's crazy. You have to. I'm. I have six degrees of Doctor Spock. Wow. Um, so. But where's his pointy ears? We're looking at a picture of him. I don't see him. Uh, another interesting thing about this song is they is his uh, collaboration. Apparently, there is a, I found your dad, and they might be giants. <laughs> John Linnell and John Flansburg wrote this song together. I, I really wonder who wrote what. You kind of have to. It's their band. Yeah, I like that. Actually, it's in the spirit of the song yeah. that they wrote it together. But we've so. we've always overarranged our yeah. music. How do you guys write? Do you write? Do you write as a team? Do you actually sit down? One does the words, one does the music. Do you trade off? Usually, we 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 write songs and then we 
call the other guy up and say, I've got a new song. It's incredible. <laughs> and the, the other, other guy, guy has to like drop the phone. Oh home. man, uh, it's not good. Oh, I yeah. don't know. So basically, you write solo. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, and we've written a few songs. We wrote uh, Purple. Uh, I'm sorry, we wrote Puppethead together. Yeah, and uh, they might be giants on the new. They might record. be giants theme. We wrote together more when we started than now, just because I think we actually have to kind of find the the quality time to actually write a song now. More back when we just had day jobs and every night free, we sort of did a lot more kind of jamming. Okay, so th- this part has always been something I've, I can't quite get my finger on. I guess this is this is the chorus or the bridge again? I don't know. What would you call this? The bridge? What is this? I don't know which part we're talking oh, about. Oh, uh, tabloid, tabloid Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, no. <laughs> I don't know. That's so a good question. Well, let's talk about the lyrics. Tabloid footprints in your hair, tabloid footprints everywhere. What do you take that to be saying? I mean, I took it as reviews of the band. I kind of saw it as the same way. I almost saw it as like a weird self-conscious thing about like, because, you know, they've talked about before, like you get all these headlines, like they might not be giants. Sure, yeah. So it's like, is it about that? We, uh, we chose the name They Might Be Giants because it was ponderously long. Um, it was actually uh, from a list of names that a friend of ours had put together for his act, which was a ventriloquist act. And uh, we hadn't, didn't really think about it too hard. It just seemed like um, unexpected. You know, it was, uh, it was at a time when, the, you know, rock bands that sort of cycled through, like, uh, all the sort of original new wave band names, like The Somethings, and, uh, I don't know, you know, band names are kind of jive, and you always feel kind of haunted by your whatever your decision is, I'm sure. I'm sure the guys in the Rolling Stones are like, why do we call ourselves the Rolling Stones? <laughs> well, I guess the advantage of the Emory Jones is it just doesn't really sound like any particular era of band name, it's just a... It's an oddball name. Although it might sound really, like, totally big 80s now. I don't know. I mean... I don't know. I don't know. We don't have much perspective on it. Has it ever haunted you? I mean, have well, you Well, you know, you see your name reiterated a million different ways in the headlines and stuff like that. Like, you know, they that it'll just be, like, some weird play on it or, you know... Also, like, every season as the New York Giants and the San Francisco Giants go into spring training or whatever training those people do um <laughs> they're always there's always headlines to say they might be giants yeah. so. i think that the, 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 the key sort of uh, uh uh amnesty that you get as a band is that if you're around long enough people don't even think about what the point of the name right. people don't remember how dumb the name the beatles must have sounded when they first thought of it they yeah, got the over beatles it. is actually a, the ultimate example because it is really not a good name for a band right it's like it's kind goofy of, it's really like a bad pun and kind of jive. Yeah. Any other and bands? That, and that's wanna... coming from the guys and They Might Be Giants. <laughs> I'm sure that's, yeah, I mean, I think that informs it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Do you, th- I, you think it's about reviews, though? Uh, look, well, a tabloid, right, is something kind of trashy. Yeah. So maybe it's about, you know, poorly written reviews. But it's still such a strange way to phrase it. I mean, the expectation, I guess, of like what we're going to, this whole song to me seems to be expectation of what it means to have this band. Interesting. You know, it's funny because I Googled the phrase tabloid footprints to be like, mm. is this a reference? Is this a thing? And it's not. Can't imagine. All that comes up is this song. So yeah, tabloid footprints in your hair, tabloid footprints <laughs> everywhere. This honestly, it almost seems like a nursery rhyme thing. Blah, 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 in your hair. Blah, 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 <laughs> everywhere. Well, I'm, yeah. you know, but cooties, I don't. Cooties, cooties in your hair. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's about that. I don't know. Is that, that a was... fr- is that a thing? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Cooties, cooties in your hair. 
Cooties is a fictitious disease. Dave just totally made up a fake childhood I'm memory. Sorry, I, I'm sure I've heard that. Why not? Well, what is it illegal to say that? Come on. <laughs> we can't be silent because they might be giants. And what are we going to do unless they are? That's what I'm saying. He's worried. What are we going to do un unless they are giants? Because if they're not, they got to get real jobs. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, that's kind of that's kind of funny. Kind of. Even having the phrase, so everyone has to hang on tight, I feel like they were a little bit, not scared, but they had their uh, apprehension about being in a band that could be successful. How do you oh, keep I see the artistic control Everyone needs to hang is, on tighter you know, just to keep from being thrown to the wolves. It's kind of like being in the crazy roller coaster of a career in a popular band. Yeah, and I'm sure once you have, you know, things like a manager and, you know, everybody, you know, talking about contracts and record labels and stuff, hmm. the creative control sometimes can slip away from you. And for two people that are very, you know, artsy, that could be a scary prospect, especially since it is a self-referential song. You know, I mean, there's a reason that these lyrics are in a song called They Might Be Giants. Yeah. There has to be. I, I really love the, the, the vocals going on in this. So there's the, it's like a, ooh. Yeah. Tablet footprints in your hair. Tablet footprints. So live, I wanted to play a live clip because Linnell does that live. And I'm like, I didn't know his voice could do that. It sounds like beautiful. He sounds like a beautiful lady. Um, a beautiful lady. <laughs> and I don't know if, if that's him on the album or if it's like an effect or what, because it's it's really in the background. But it's really nice. I, I and, always, and also the, like the way that builds to the ah. Uh, well, let's listen. I want to hear a beautiful lady. Yeah, what do you think of the boy? We didn't talk about that. I was going to ask you. Well, it's funny because Linnell's doing the, uh, we think Linnell's doing the falsetto, but then he's also doing the really low, the boy. I know mm. that's Linnell because if you compare it to the demos, it's Linnell. I don't know. It's more clear on the demo that it's Linnell. Well, it's, a, it's a strange choice. <laughs> yeah. They might be giants, boy. You think it's like yeah. an expression like boy howdy? Right, right. Or oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Boy. Does it say it in the lyric sheet or is that because we're looking at the Wikipedia lyrics, but I wonder if the official. No, it doesn't actually say that in the <laughs> lyrics. Up oh, doesn't count. This is like the, the quintessential lyric. They might be fake. They might be lies. They might be big, big, fake, fake lies, <laughs> which is great because, again, you know, it fits the band. The whole thing was like playing to a cassette. It's like there's a fake band there. There is no... You know, there's the the reality is like uncertain with mm -hmm. this band. You're not really sure what you're hearing, what you're getting. Especially this album, they said has like more samples than you know than usual. Mm -hmm. You know, things that were like changed and manipulated to be different things. Um, we've talked a lot about the fakeness and the yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the lies and stuff in other episodes. So I don't want to be too repetitive. And in our own lives. Oh, we, oh, we, we skipped. <laughs> Just we skipped. They might be bald. They might be snow. They might be something else in the snow. How did I skip that? So that's unlike the brain. They rhyme snow with snow. That's true. That's that's, that's a, cheap. Yeah, that's against the rules. Um, unlike the brainwash thing, this doesn't seem to me like wordplay that I can understand. Bald snow. <laughs> they might no. be bald. They might be snow. That's just such a strange. 
any anything (laughs) that one even i can't unpack i mean there there was a lot of snow references in their early 80s songs you know uh so it might fit along with that the snow thing well it's weird they say tabloid footprints in your hair and then they're saying they they might be bald bald. so maybe they won't be worried about the maybe they're shaving off the tabloid (laughs) footprints maybe or maybe we're just no i I actually (laughs) think well that might be something I mean, if you, have, if you have tabloid footprints in your <laughs> hair, you're going to shave your hair so that, because it's like, oh, I can't get it out. <laughs> but well, then snow. <laughs> then, <laughs> I don't know. I yeah. don't know. This is, yeah, well, I mean, the obvi- let's, let's leave it a mystery. Obviously, the idea is that it could be, um, you know, meaningful nonsense, you know, surreal, surrealism, stuff like that. What do you think? Email us. Oh, yeah. Don't let's, what's our email? Don't let's start podcast. Don't let's start podcast at gmail.com. Don't let's start podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, sometimes people email us interpretations that are interesting, you know, something I didn't think of. Sometimes I disagree (laughs) with them. Uh, But for songs like this that are so, these lyrics. Nebulous. Yeah, um, go for it. (laughs) Because your guess is as good as ours. I, I, I never noticed the guitar riff during that part, uh, during when he says they might be bald. It's like the guitar is going, it's kind of cool. I've like totally never, it's kind of, it's his guitar lines are really buried in the mix. They might be giants, they might be giants, they might be bald, they might be snow, they might be something else in the snow. Now I can't not hear it. <laughs> oh, one thing I wanted to say, that riff right there at that sort of instrumental break part where there's a guitar riff that's going... Yeah. Doesn't that kind of remind you of the Spider-Man theme song again? <laughs> really? Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Oh yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, well it's mostly like saying things like that. It's like I don't want I don't want anyone to think we're being like they took a they stole a melody from a thing. But it does kind of remind me of that. I was gonna say his guitar playing in the song kind of reminds me of like Frank Black. Yeah, I get like It's like it's kind of grungy, dirty, grimy, weird. Uh, but also like, country-ish. Yeah, there's a country flair to it, which Frank Black eventually yeah. d- does late, you know, in his albums. Yeah, um, I love all the guitar playing on this. I think it's crazy. <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't know where to begin with, like how it's to kind of different do what he's Flansburg. doing. So during that riff that you mentioned, sounds like Spider Man. Under the electric guitar riff, there's an acoustic guitar. You hear mm-hmm. it now, right? He's playing single acoustic guitar mm-hmm. notes, which is a weird idea to balance those two sounds because it's like your brain doesn't quite know what to make of it. It's a crazy uh, arrangement. I've never noticed during the fade out how crazy the acoustic guitar, which we I think is an acoustic guitar, like how crazy that playing gets. 
I've never noticed that. There's a lot of things I've never noticed about these songs. I can't tell if it's acoustic guitar at the end. It I'm, sounds too crazy. I'm pretty sure it is. With some effect on it? It seems like it's just really dry and up front to the, to the mic or something. Uh, maybe it's a plugged-in acoustic electric, you know? kind of has that sort of feel. Um, but, yeah, I've never noticed the weird things it's doing, like on the fade-out, that long fade-out. And, yeah, we should talk about just the crazy voices. <laughs> the, before we talk about that, that almost sounds like when you take a pick and put it on the on its side and kind of slam it onto the string. It mm. makes this weird sort of twangy noise. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Maybe that's what he's doing. That's what it sounds like to me. But, yeah, his uh, vocals at the end get really the vo- Yeah. <laughs> they might be drunk. Like, it's, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. Muppet chorus. I, yeah. It was, it's like, it's hard to not, it's hard to be in a bad mood listening to this <laughs> song. It's just so fun. It's 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 kind of scary and fun and hilarious. Scary fun, like a merry-go-round with wolves around it. It's funny because, like I say, when I say it's funny, it's like there's nothing like obviously funny. Like it's not really jokes exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess Doctor Spock's backup band is kind of a joke because it's just such a strange kind of. strange thing to say. But yeah, um, so that's the song. They might be giants. We're gonna get into the the various demos of that in a future episode. But they're, you know, that's that's their theme song. And now, friends, and now we're, we're gonna, at the end of the road. Yeah, we are. And from the end of the road to the road, road movie, movie to Berlin. Berlin. to berlin the final song on their final album <laughs> flood we did it i love a nice song. this song i think it's a perfect ending song it is a very good last song for an album it's yeah it's it might be one of their best final songs on an album i think though there's yeah. certainly a lot of competition not that they're competing but they are now i'm thinking of all their last songs <laughs> yeah it's a good one. It's, it's a goodie. Just, it's out of all their a lot of last songs they have. It's really one that's like this is the last song. Spacesuit's a really good last song. I love spacesuit. That'll give you guys a little hint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about, uh, yeah. About yeah. About the preparing. chronology of their albums. Too many songs. So road movie to Berlin. Uh, what's going on here <laughs> with this song? There's a lot. There's a lot going on. There's 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 uh, it's it's a Great Flansburg mishmash of of uh, politics and current kind of events yeah, and yeah. pop culture and movies and uh, comedy surrealism and comedy and so so I, I'll start by well first we should just talk about the Berlin Wall like what the hell's going on yeah let's talk about that um here it was a wall let's learn about that the Wall of Shame in Berlin was one year old. It was in 1961 that East German communists, appalled at the numbers who were fleeing to the West, threw up the wall. The Reds were constantly at work reinforcing the wall, but still people fled to the West. Some were successful, some were not. The civilized world cried shame when East German guards shot a fleeing teenager and then left him to die. They removed his body, but they will never remove him as a symbol to the angered Germans. 
1961, the wall went up. Uh, it was basically, you know, I'm kind of learned more. Uh, I learned most of the stuff about this today doing my It's like that old research. rhyme. 61, the wall was done. So basically it, they were trapping the people into East Germany to force, <laughs> force them to be communist or whatever. As the communist barrier between East and West Berlin grows higher and stronger, the more determined grows the will of those in the East to escape. Along the border, East Berliners are forced to evacuate their homes as the communist police move to prevent their escape. The East Germans are raising homes and buildings along the border and creating a 10-foot ditch to prevent autos and trucks from crashing the barrier. The East Germans don't seem to have guards enough to plug every hole. When a soldier's attention is diverted by others, a hole is cut in the barbed wire and Khrushchev's face is slapped again. Remember, these people are risking their very lives to taste something we too often take for granted, liberty. And the communists have the <laughs> guns and the wall mm. because they were would shoot people who tried to leave and it was pretty bad. And that lasted for, till 89, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's a long time for that. And the, 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 the joke of the song, if you could call it a joke, I guess, uh, it's, it's kind of like a Mad Magazine parody of the old road movies with sure. Bob Hope and Bing, Bing Crosby. Crosby. Bing, you got it. On the road to Morocco This taxi is tough on the spine Where we're going, why we're going How can we be sure? I'll lay you eight to five That we meet Dorothy Lamour Like Webster's Dictionary We're Morocco bound so Bing Crosby and Bob Hope, they made comedies where they would travel the globe and get into shenanigans. Yeah. And they were farces and Bob Hope did a bunch of wisecracks. And I think Bing Crosby usually had like a romance with a lady. We, we watched one. Do you remember? No. Were you there? <laughs> well, Maybe I, not. <laughs> it was Daniel uh, showed me. I thought it, you were there too. Showed me one I of might them. Have been. I, was... um, I don't remember finding it very funny. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, like so, road movie to Berlin. Well, one, it's like the joke is they're going to a place that's that is dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> so the, yeah, exactly. So well, one, I get it. Even calling it road movie to Berlin is yeah. like kind of an interesting way to do because these movies are just called Road to yeah. Morocco, Road to this, Road to that, and so call, they, he could have called it Road to Berlin, and it yeah. would have been more of a parody parody. But then calling it Road Movie to Berlin is more um, aware of itself that it's referencing these movies. Right. Well, Road to Berlin is kind of general. Yeah. Road Movie to Berlin is a great title. It's it, And it, it also, it, it really puts it up front that it's like, imagine if this was one of those movies. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the dark humor is that if, you know, and again, Flansburg wrote this when the wall was up. This song is actually written back when the Berlin Wall seemed like something that would actually never go down. Which is weird. It's a, it's really a dated. I feel like it's actually sort of a topical. It'd be like you know, pulling out my anti-Vietnam song. Mm, yeah. You know, it was it was written at a time when it was just obvious that the Berlin Wall was going to be there the, forever. So it's kind of little did you strangely know, huh? yeah. dated. Yeah. yeah, we actually while we were on tour, right as it, it, the uh, as part of it was being torn down, it was very cool. Okay, um, you right, ready? I think we were supporting this record actually. Yeah, it was and, like uh, hey, wait, wait, wait a second. There? We we were there happening? when they were knocking down part of the wall in front of the. They'd already, you know, pretty much, you know, it was, it was set that it was coming down, right, and they knocked right, down this big right. section in front of the 
Brandenburg Gate while we were there, and there wow. was a huge crowd. Yeah, it was wild. very weird because we didn't we didn't have any idea um, whether it was okay to cross into the east without our passports, uh-huh. and we had some of our crew were like carrying. You know, celebratory bottles of yeah. booze, and we didn't and know if it was okay to continue drinking. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. The, on the other side of the street. Yeah, <laughs> it was really a strange experience because we walked into the east, just you know, feeling like we could be arrested at yeah, any moment. Yeah. But the east, the east German guards all look kind of like. I think know. they were drunk too. So yeah, they were. They had a really weird kind of ironic smile on their face at that moment. It was just like, now you're in jail. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> It's weird. It came down like right before he released yeah, it. Yeah, he, t- he says that in the in this clip yeah. where he says like it's it's instantly was dated. That's so uh, funny. But I I think it just works on so many levels anyway. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the idea is that I if you're makes it funnier. having a comedic adventure in Berlin and you you go past that wall, you can't. You literally couldn't <laughs> go back out, uh, which is scary. And so that's why it says can't drive out the way we drove in. So sneak out this glass of bourbon. Well, I mean, so sneaking out a glass of bourbon implies the fascistic state of, it puts it in mind like, oh, we have to, we can't let people see what we're doing. It's a sneaky place. So yeah, Dave, what, what do you think of the song just just as a, an album closer and as like a song and then the lyrics and the music? It's funny because it's such a perfect kind of country rambling down the road. Mm-hmm. Now, now is our time to exit town. Yeah, yeah. Song reminds me of like a cowboy. You know, people driving horse. away into the sunset. Yeah. We were once so close to heaven. Peter came out and gave us medals, declaring us the nicest of the ten. Well, can we talk about uh, Saint Peter? Like, you know, let's talk about this guy. What's in the news? Extra. St. Peter uh, was found. More Bible stuff, man. Oh, you're right, actually. Yeah. So St. Peter. Dave, why don't you tell us who St. Peter is? St. Peter's the guy that lets people into heaven. He's the guy. Like the guy at the club, the bouncer. I, he really is. And I'm on the list. He he weighs all your sins. Is that like the and, hackiest joke imaginable? Yep. <laughs> um, he weighs all your sins. And your good deeds against a feather. No, that was in uh, ancient Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that system. <laughs> we should bring that system back. Um, yeah, and just uh, it's it's funny that we we keep getting these references back to Bible stuff in Flood. I really yeah. think that's where their heads were for. Yeah, I wonder uh, why. I don't know. It's because when you think of a flood, it's, there's, and there's like the Christian evangelist stuff. Even so, even the beginning of um, Hearing Aid had that yeah. like prayer. Yeah, that like weird prayer sample I wrote it down that I assume is a prayer sample. Oh shit! Of like all the songs that have some kind of Bible reference, it's about half. That's crazy. I mean, even even like loosely. I mean, it could be more if I really wanted to stretch it. But concrete yeah. ones that are referenced. <laughs> Someone kept moving Jesus's chair. <laughs> right, like it's you know yeah. like carpenters and <laughs> all that stuff. So yeah, I don't know what Saint Peter has to do with the Berlin Wall. You know. Well, I. Uh, yeah, this ver- I was actually staring at this verse a lot today. We were once so close to heaven, so it's like you're almost out, yeah. that they pulled me back in. I guess that's what it is. Peter came almost. out. Yeah, so you're so close to heaven that Peter's like on his way out the door being like, hey, congrats, yeah. here's your medal for being a good... Declaring made it us- out of this place. Yeah, declaring us the nicest of the damned. And I guess they'd be damned because they're behind the Berlin Wall or in front of it, depending on where you yeah. <laughs> started. And then, well, it's uh, also, I guess, if you're like the nicest of that, like you're supposed to go to hell, but it's like, you know what? <laughs> yeah. You were the best example of that. 
Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of ways to read that mm. line. There's there's that way, and then there's there's the way of being like we're all damned. <laughs> so it just means everybody, yeah. or it could mean literally the people in Berlin were damned. Mm. <laughs> I think it's yeah. I think these are some of Flansburg's best lyrics. I'll put that out there. I love these lines, man. Well, and then even the line that's uh, there's some lyrics that were cut out. Yeah, which are in the lyric sheet. In the liner notes, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's it's strange. I, apparently, according to Flansburg, they made the, they finished the album so fast that they had mistakes in the liner notes I a couple times. That's, that's weird. Bananas. Yeah, but uh, so the the lyrics, well, hey, Harold, how about instead of saying them, I'll play a clip from a live show. Cool. Where they sing the lyrics because cool, they dude. never stopped doing those lyrics. Right. Of the day. Said you were the king of liars, and I believed you and called you sire. But I realize now that I have been You know, it's funny. I mistakenly thought uh, was a king of liars. Mm-hmm. It was uh, another way of saying the devil. Oh yeah. And I looked that, that up, sense. and it's not the I case. I thought we were pro devil though. After the last episode, yeah. <laughs> we love the devil. He's the only one who tells the truth. He's like, you're fucked. I'm gonna torture you forever, or I'm gonna have my. He's not gonna personally do it. He's too busy. Well, he, I mean, he told maybe he tells the truth. You know, when you're in hell, he's like, guess what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But apparently when he's like tempting you and stuff, you know, it's... Yeah. So, I, yeah, I thought he was called the King of Liars or... But I looked it up and there's no... I can't really? find anything... Let's try this right now. King yeah. of Liars. Well, there's a picture of Dave. <laughs> oh, no. I'm in trouble. So what was the devil? He was called... And I kept trying to look it up. Like, what did I call them? The Prince of Liars? The Prince of Lies? King of his liars and his deceptive lives. Good shepherd. Oh, maybe, maybe Satan is the king of liars and the source of lies. So there's one website, which I'm afraid to click on, yeah. <laughs> that says Satan is the king of liars. No longer could the devil call himself the king of liars, cast out of hell. I don't know if these are quotes from the Bible or not. You know, the king of liars is Satan, the devil himself. So we are finding a lot of Christian, I don't know, sp- speeches or articles that I couldn't find say that he's the king like, of liars. You know, a definitive like Wikipedia, like he was known as the king of liars. I'm I'm yeah. sure the title would friends. fit him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but certainly... KL uh, for short. You know, the yeah. king of liars is not a good thing to be. You said you were... I wonder who he's talking to in this in this cut verse. Uncut... St. <laughs> Peter's. In this cut gem. Uh, you said you were the king of liars, and I believed you and called you sire, but I realize now that I've been deceived. Well, yeah, I mean, I love that verse because yeah. it's, it's, again, it like contradicts itself and... It falls over itself because it's like, why would you believe someone who says they're lying? But then if if he's lying that he's the king of liars, then he's not the king of liars. Famous riddle. Yeah. Do you know the one? No. It's like uh, two men. No. <laughs> this is a... Start fucking. Yeah. There are two men and one of them says, I'm, you can. Oh, it's in Labyrinth. Believe... Yeah, yeah. You can't believe. <laughs> well, but I think they got that from somewhere in la- Yeah, yeah. In, yeah. You, you can't believe what the other man says. That's right. Something like that. That was in Labyrinth. When I'm was like, tired. Pick a door, and the door is like, I always lie. I right. always tell the truth. And then she has to trick, 
trick one of the doors to be like, what would the other one say? And then it's like confusing. That stuff makes my head like, just like with reading the instructions for Derby Day, like this stuff makes my head like spin around. Baby. Way to bring it back. So that's the the alternate verse. And then there's, I guess, would, would be the bridge, which I really love. This is like a favorite part of the song. There's something very longing about the melody and mm. how he sings it. Time won't find the loss It'll sweep up our skeleton bones So take the wheel and I will take the pedals And the take the wheel and I will take the pedals line, it's it's kind of sounds like the farcical kind of you know, visual that would be in those old Bob Hope, Bing Crosby movies, yeah. you know, just like, oh, we got to escape. Uh, you do that. I go there kind of thing. Time won't find the lost. That is like a sad. So I, I never, I actually used to mishear it as like time won't find a loss, <laughs> which doesn't make mm. any sense, but time won't find the lost. It'll sweep up our skeleton bones. That is like the most doom depressing line. Just being that like, we're, we're, we're damned and we're going to be killed here and no one's mm. going to find our body and then there'll be nothing left but dust and we're not going to ever be like, we're not going to like go down in history as anything. Well, that's everything eventually. But some stuff, you ever go to a museum? There's like mummies. <laughs> Even that stuff in time will, There's you know, dog, dog mummies. Even some, there's like dog and cat mummies. What are you talking about? In the museum. Mummies? What museum are you going to? <laughs> Fido's. <Fucking> dog mummy? <laughs> Fido's history. Was there a dream museum. you had? I once had a, a nightmare <laughs> about a mummy. I, I mean, not to go on a tangent. You know those nightmares you've had even like 30 years ago that still are stick with you, that you still vividly yeah, remember them? Life. Your life is so bad. <laughs> no, come on. You know what I'm talking about. You must have one. Uh, I don't remember my childhood. Okay, well, one that I, not, it doesn't be childhood, but I think when I was maybe 13 or 14. Oh, yeah, you know, I just thought of one. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I'm on board. No, I had a nightmare that I was in. So the nightmares where you're in bed are the scariest because it feels so real. I think you mean sexiest. Um, sex dreams is a whole other topic. No, I had a nightmare when I was 12 or 13 or 14, somewhere around there, that I was in bed and I thought I heard like my one of my parents going mm -hmm. to the bathroom because it was outside my door. Mm -hmm. And what happens instead is that the door opens and there's a mummy. Dog mummy. No, it's just a mummy mummy. There's a mummy walking towards me, slow, yeah. slowly reaching out its arms and groaning. And it was the fucking scariest thing I've that's ever happened to me. And uh, <laughs> that it was just the scariest dream. It was so full of dread and terror. It was walking slowly. And I think I might've realized it was a dream and like try to wake up, you know, which happens a lot. I have a lot of Freddy Krueger dreams where I know it's a dream because Freddy is a signal that it's a dream because he goes in your dreams. When I was a kid and I went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, they have, you know, they have the mummies there. They have like the sarcophagi. <laughs> like the monkeys. Yeah. Hey, hey, we're the mummies. And they had, uh, some of them are like super deep and like thick and it, and my kid brain was like, is Erection. that how big? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you going to take this seriously or not? Yes. I listened about your dog mummy. <laughs> I thought the mummy itself was like that uh, deep back. Like so. Oh, yeah. So like a refrigerator shaped mummy. And oh, my for, God. as a kid, that scared the hell out of me. I didn't realize like, you know. What? The mummy inside is just. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I give up. So it was like a, it was like in the Mario, like the stomp. What the fuck is they called? The thwomp. Thwomps. Well. I didn't realize that 
it was the space of the, you know, coffin. It didn't mean that the mummy had to literally take up every square inch they, of it. But they put like all the gold and stuff in Or there. whatever it was. But isn't that a scary image? Like a really thick mummy? A, a deep mummy? That's how I like them. Now's a good time to read this one quote from Flansburg about the, more about the song. He says, this song was designed to feel like a fragment of some barroom song just starting up again and again. Even though the verses resolve, there is a little bit of tension that is left hanging each go round, and that hopefully is a bit more unsettling with each verse. See, I love that. I love this quote because it kind of like validates what we do because this mm-hmm. is how we talk about <laughs> the music in their songs. Yeah. Overthinking and it. This kind of shows that they really do think about this stuff, you know. Well, they might be giants. The song kind of does that too. The one right before this one, each song, each verse kind of fades out and is it, unresolved. Each verse, like we're yeah, like the trumpet kind of like. I, and I, I always wondered if who was playing that trumpet, by the way. I think it's Flansburg, <laughs> but wow. it's kind of like, rah, 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 and it kind of reminds me of Whistling in the Dark. Does Good that trumpet also. impression. Flansburg says, my voice is slowed down, which is kind of creepy. So I never knew his voice was slowed down. I thought he was naturally singing that low. Mm, it it seems, sounds the same when he does it live. I think it's slowed down like 10%. Mm. I think it's slowed down in a subtle way. Just enough to be creepy. And then he says, the trumpet blasts entirely synthetic or sampled include the sample of the very same Frank London trumpet heard on Birdhouse in Your Soul. Well, there you have it. But see, then there's another quote where he says the blasts that happen in that bridge are from an old uh, Sammy Davis Jr. album. So which is it? There you have it again. <laughs> we, have, we have two things. Mm. Yeah, that's really weird. Oh, he also says it's a stock. Okay, so there's three things. <laughs> then he also says it's a Sammy Davis Jr. blast and a stock Casio FZ1 brass sound, which I will find a, a clip of. Uh, so it's all those things, I guess which is, I guess, why it sounds so kind of, I don't know, unidentifiable. Mm. Um, Big, big, fake, fake. But I wanted to talk about his what he says about the unresolved nature of the song, because basically this album ends on like an unresolved chord. And what that means, I'll get into the music thing a bit, is like, you know, a song goes <laughs> like a, a typical song, almost every song. Da, 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 da. Right. <laughs> yeah. But imagine if it was da, da, da. Right. You'd be like, what the fuck? Where's the rest? Where is like the ground is falling out from under me? Where's the da, da? Yeah. So exactly. So this song doesn't have that and it just kind of is left hanging. And I think a funny example is this clip from when they played the song in Berlin while the Berlin Wall was up and the audience doesn't know to clap at the end. <laughs> That's the sign of a good song. Uh, <laughs> 
That's the end of the song. Thank you. Thank you very much. I wonder what the people in Berlin thought of that performance. Yeah, it's weird. You know, I listened to this Ber- Berlin show uh, to see if they mention anything or they, they just play the song. Like, yeah. There's no there's no like, oh, funny, we should play this because we're here. Uh, that is strange. One thing I do have, though, is a show from after the Berlin Wall went down mm-hmm. and Flansburg kind of mentions it a few times on stage. Just two more hours till it completely reunified Germany, ladies and gentlemen. The countdown is starting now. We'd like to say a big scary howdy to our reunified German friends. But it shows how, I don't know, he's like invested, very invested in this thing. I I guess I was too young to know what was going on. Mm. And it really wasn't, I never really looked into it. Um, When I watched the newsreel footage of it it is like disturbing i do vaguely remember watching the newsreel footage of it when i was a kid of the coming really down. of coming down but i don't think i knew you know the importance of what that meant yeah it's it's strange like i was watching in the newsreel footage that i played the clip from uh before there was like so people had apartment buildings that were like on the border mm-hmm. <laughs> like where the wall was being built so they were trying to escape they were jumping out the windows of their apartments to like get across the border and like East German police were like pulling them back in, like, no, you can't go. Mm. And then the West German police, who were like the good people, were like, uh, had, had nets and stuff trying to like help people escape and mm. stuff. It's just like insane. It's a wild world we live in there. Yeah. But the surrealism of that like fits the surrealism of road movie to Berlin. It's like totally like they, they, you know, they've said in interviews, like it is like it is like kind of an unreal situation like you can't imagine a country being like that or can you well now i can because i literally have seen the footage but yeah it it is weird um but yeah this i love this song i love how it ends the album i think it's a great album closer i think it's a perfect song uh for frank black to cover it fit his style really well yeah it's funny there's this tmbg tribute album and a lot of the people on it aren't very famous or known <laughs> but frank black is on it because he's just this, this like friend of theirs and a fan of supportive fan of and, theirs over the know, years according to the documentary was obsessed with flood was obsessed with flood <laughs> yeah I, I tried to reach out to him for this show i think he's to, a little busy to interview him i know but i didn't, I don't didn't think get a, he has the no, time for little old us i don't know he did gigantic he did the movie I and mean, you never know if anyone out there knows frank black put in a good word for us Yeah, Frank Black's version of Road Movie to Berlin is great because because uh, people don't know like Frank Black was from the Pixies and he still is in the Pixies now. But his his solo career took a weird kind of t- uh, it, it went into like countryish vibe. Yeah, though the song, some of his stuff. yeah, some of it. But in my opinion, the songwriting was still as great as ever. And then you had this weird blend of like he still had the songwriting, like the weird Pixies ish chord progressions, mm-hmm. but then with the country flavor and like lyrics that are more country like about driving around sure, <laughs> sure. so like he did road movie to berlin uh you know 
and I think his wife at the time was uh, on it also singing with him and it's like a nice version. Pretty much made it like totally country. It's yeah. And it, but it works. Yeah. It totally works like completely. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of a country and song. And he, he even did the cut verse maybe cause he didn't, yeah. <laughs> cause it's in the lyrics anyway. I mean, he might've like us just really liked that verse. Yeah. <laughs> Them's is good lyrics. Yeah. Wow, wowie, wow, wow. That was Flood, the album Flood, 1990. They might be giants. Uh, it's funny we're doing this now because uh, there's been so many things going on 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 the internet about how it's the 30th anniversary of and Flood. And we planned it that way. Yeah, I know. It was like three days ago or something was the 30th yep. anniversary of Flood. Everyone was going crazy. I was trying to post on Instagram like, hey, the listen to the show. It's the best way to celebrate Flood. So we want to ask you if, if you know people who like Flood, like They Might Be Giants, tell them about our show. Don't keep it to yourself selfishly like a bunch yeah. of jerks. Tell them about the show. Uh, tell them to check us out on Twitter. It's Don't Let's Pod. Don't Let's pod at, on Twitter, and I'll be posting some some stuff that we talked about from this episode. You could also check us out on iTunes. Uh, you could rate the podcast. Yes, rate us. You could write us. a review. We've got a lot of really nice reviews. I love. Did I, you see that review where the guy was like, uh, "I've laughed, I've cried, mostly the latter." Yeah. So he's cried a lot. Yeah. Well, we do tell sad tales. I don't I guess. think there's anything worth crying about. Yeah, it's kind of emotional at times. Not for me, but uh, we appreciate these reviews nevertheless. So do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you we want, like it. If you want to support the show, you can go to our home base, which is at anchor.fm slash don't let start. And then it says how to do that there. And that's that's where I, I love, this isn't a real commercial, but I do love Anchor. They they It's all possible because of them. Uh, I got no problem with them. If you're starting a podcast, check out Anchor because just a free service that puts it everywhere, puts it on iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. So we're done with the album Flood, but we're not done with this era of Flood. And the yeah. next episode is going to be all about the B-sides. And they're mostly, I believe, the B-sides from the Istanbul single. And some great stuff there, too. Some of my favorite songs. And we're going to talk about those. In my top 700. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm very excited about that. So that's going to happen soon. Me and Dave, we have a lot of stuff to do. We've got to leave. we got to go. So we're going to head out. So take the wheel, Jordan. I'll take the pedals.
Dan Miller and Dan Hickey on the drums, trading crazy licks. Come on, check it out. Check it out. Boy. See my feature. Man, I'm never going back to the knitting factory again. Giants for 